Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Thursday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, and I've got Brant Daughtry on the show with me this afternoon. A long show of NFL draft talk coming up. Uh, we will have a lot of uh, NFL draft discussion as we get set for the 2023 NFL draft round one tonight at 7 o'clock. And so we will, unlike in years past, we will not have a full mock draft where we got to go back and forth and make a pick for each team, but we will analyze kind of the consensus mocks. And look, there's not much of a consensus with a lot of these picks, so we're going to kind of go through a lot of the different teams and players that are projected to go in the first round tell you if it makes sense for that organization or not if not who we would like to see there so again kind of a quasi mock draft but just not uh, not officially us coming up with all 32 uh, on our lonesome so we'll talk a lot about that we will talk some Atlanta Braves as they go for a four-game sweep against the Marlins. That game will resume over on WAUD 12:30 here in, in just a matter of moments after a long rain delay. So good to get that one back underway. Also, have any Auburn news as it should become available? The visit of Matthew Cleveland has been con- uh, completed, and of course, no commitment yet. And we'll talk about why that could be and some other options for Auburn as well. Again, Ryan and Brant with you here. Birthdays and sports, nightly TV guide, and of course your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-3401 or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Brant, hope you've had a good day so far. Uh, we've been uh, just kind of ready for that Braves game to get going again <laughs> and uh, also ready to see this NFL draft take place tonight, uh, but I hope you're doing well, sir. Yeah, my favorite kind of sports call episode, one where we have the Braves going in the background and we're doing our best to keep our focus on what we're talking about and not just watch baseball for during the day. But, uh, yeah, having a good day. Just, it, this is an unpopular opinion. The weather outside is my favorite kind of weather, just cloudy, okay. the occasional shower. I, I don't know why, but I've just always loved it. Um, and something else that I love – uh, that's kind of unpopular for me at least is the NFL draft tonight. I, I usually don't watch the NFL draft. I find it kind of boring. I find it to be a lot of just talking heads. I think the the moment is exciting and obviously I love hearing about uh, okay the Falcons or whoever whatever team picked this player you know this guy just went first overall. I think those are really cool moments but I think the draft as a production is bloated. Um, because a lot of it is kind of stuff we've been talking about leading up to it and we've been talking Part of that is because the top 10 or the top 5 for the draft is usually pretty set in stone by the time it gets there, so all of the talking heads have given their opinion on this player fitting in with this team. This year's draft is so unique because nobody really has any idea what's going to happen. Most people seem to think that Bryce Young is going to go first overall to the Panthers, I, and I certainly think he will, but that's not guaranteed. The Panthers have not said, hey, this is what we're going to do, um, which most teams usually don't. But again, these things are usually set in stone by now. For the first time in a while, 
there's mystery involved with the NFL draft, and there usually is not, especially in uh, the top 10 or so picks. So for the first time in a while, I'm excited about the draft and excited to talk about it a little bit. And yeah, we will certainly do that. And uh, you're right, we've talked about the quarterback perspective a decent amount throughout the week, and uh, that is always going to to cause a lot of attention. But again, it really is, uh, even assuming Bryce Young does go number one, there's still a lot to be determined on who goes second uh, as a quarterback is concerned when the second quarterback goes if there are four if there are five first round quarterbacks because as you start to get to the back half of the first round Hendon Hooker be, could be on people's radar so uh, we will get into all of that in just a little bit we will start however again as I just mentioned Matthew Cleveland of uh, formerly of Florida State now in the transfer portal completed his visit to Auburn yesterday of course no commitment today some people thought that they could garner a quick commitment right after the right after a visit but uh, of course uh, no no commitment there Auburn looking for one to two more players in the portal according to Bruce Pearl and of course maybe that one or two is dependent upon if if Alan Flanagan ends up coming back or not that could that could make it more of the two variety but Auburn certainly searching for some type of wing player some sort of like three position man uh, they, they've targeted Cleveland. They've looked a little bit into uh, Texas Tech guard uh, Jalen Tyson, who, uh, again, is somebody that has the connection with Corey Williams coming over as an assistant formerly at Texas Tech, now at Auburn. Uh, again, not necessarily a lot of buzz with Tyson's name directly with Auburn, other than that would make some sense, but certainly a guy to keep an eye on. And so Auburn kind of continues looking up at these various wing options. Of course, they missed on Devin Cambridge uh, last week as he is going to go to Oregon. Again, that was going to be a guy more of a more of a bench guy, but would have been nice to see Devin come home again. Although, again, the impact maybe not as great as one of these guys that, that Auburn is currently targeting. It's been a very busy couple of, of weeks for Auburn basketball when it comes to portal and recruiting and just everything going into – uh, the 2024 class that has dropped a couple of players, and uh, you know now if you look on the crystal balls and stuff, you know Auburn's still involved with LeBaron Filon, even though he decommitted, and just just a very chaotic, not all bad, certainly a lot of it good, but a very very busy time these last couple of weeks as Auburn tries to roster build with its basketball program. Yeah, Tyson, we'll take a look at him real quick. Averaged about 30 minutes a game uh, this past season for Texas Tech. Shot 40% from three, and I know, Ryan, your your barometer for a wing player at 35, if he can shoot 35% from three, go ahead and bring him in. You're, you're pretty high on those guys. And and I agree. Uh, he scored about 11 points, uh, six rebounds last season for Texas Tech. Uh, shot just under 50% from the field. So a good player. Um doesn't take a ton of shots, but when he does, he tends to make them. So uh, I think that'd be a good pickup. And like you said, it j- just kind of a, a depth piece more than anything, especially if you can get a guy like Matthew Cleveland in here, a guy who uh, similar percentages, but certainly higher in just the raw numbers. So uh, that wing spot is definitely open for Auburn right now. I think the backcourt's pretty much set. Uh, I think they like what they have at center, especially expecting Janai Broom to come back. Um, I think Dylan Cardwell is a very capable backup center in the SEC. Uh, so really, you're just looking for another guy at that three slash four spot uh, to see if if you can round out that rotation. And Tyson, John, if you can get Jalen Tyson, what did I call him? Jalen, 
Johnson. Tyson and, John. Or yeah, something. <laughs> something like that. But if you can get Jalen Tyson and Matthew Cleveland, I think that pretty much sets your rotation. And I think you're looking at a really good basketball team starting next year. Yeah, Matthew Cleveland, obviously, with Florida State. As you said, the raw number is a little higher at 14 points and, and seven and a half rebounds a game. I think what attracts me a lot to Tyson is just the validity of the three-point shooting. Cleveland, t- uh, two years ago as a freshman, Florida State only shot 18% from three. This year he bumped it up to 34 35%. And so there's a part of me that thinks you know it may not be uh, for certain that he's going to ultimately be uh, a good perimeter shooter. And again, I'm a little oversensitive to that right now just because we've had a couple Auburn teams in a row that struggled from the perimeter. That's still something that Bruce Pearl is always going to take pride in his guys having the flexibility to take a lot of shots and uh, from the perimeter and, and, and obviously the best versions of Bruce Pearl teams here at Auburn have been ones that have made uh, a lot of threes or at least timely threes. And so I, 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 I see a guy like Tyson immediately come into the college game and shoot 40% from three uh, and doing these things as a freshman. And that that makes me think that he his ceiling may even be higher than what Matthew Cleveland's is right now. Uh, of course, you're looking at that nearly 11 points and six rebounds a game type of guy. That's exactly kind of what Flanagan did last year. Alan Flanagan, that would probably be the guy's spot he would take in the rotation in the starting lineup. And Alan Flanagan last year for Auburn averaged ten and five, and you'd be replacing him with eleven and six on a on a little more efficient basis. So I, I think that it would be uh, a small upgrade, potentially a big upgrade, depending on if Tyson develops and becomes even more. Because again, eleven and six as a freshman, that that's not necessarily what he's going to be his whole time in college. You might have room to grow from there, and so I'm starting to get. You know, if you get either one of Cleveland and Tyson, I feel like you've gotten a really good small forward, and you're breaking this down again. You're going Holloway or Donaldson at point guard. You're going Denver Jones at shooting guard. Twenty points a game at FIU. Don't know what the efficiency will look like in the SEC, but he's gonna score. He's still gonna score in the SEC. Then you're trying to find that three. Is it Flanagan? Is it Cleveland? Uh, is it Tyson who we just talked about? And then power forward, you assume Jalen Williams is going to come back and not keep his name in the draft. And I think that's the same assumption with Janai Broom uh, at the center position, although being in the draft right now would not anticipate him staying there. If you've got that starting five, every single player, and and maybe I'm assuming maybe too much out of a a year of growth from Donaldson or or out of what Aiden Holloway will be from day one, but at minimum, the other four players – are guys that will have already averaged 10 points a game or more in college at some point. In some cases, like Denver Jones, a really high number. And then you're looking at your point guard, low-key being, if it's Holloway, having the highest ceiling of maybe anyone on the team to begin with. Absolutely. And that's your just your starting lineup. Again, right now it's looking like someone like KD Johnson would be back, who is definitely, although he struggled a lot the first 20 games last year, was much better than the next 10-12, is clearly capable of that 9-10 to 10 to 11-point scoring off the bench. And then you've, you've, you've got high hopes for Chaney Johnson. Again, it's kind of hard to to be able to zero in on a concrete prediction for what he will be coming from from UNA to to Auburn, but was definitely adept at scoring at the lower level of college basketball. And then you could still have Flanagan back. You still could uh, bring that back, and then you would definitely have either Trey Donaldson or Aiden Hallway, whichever one does not start. And we saw, again, brief sample size, but we saw a glimpse of a lot of fun things out of Trey Donaldson in Birmingham for, for the NCAA tournament. So 
you're starting to get confident about a rotation of at least eight to nine guys. Then you throw in someone like Chris Moore, who is not going to provide a whole lot offensively, but is a hustler when you need a couple of guys that are going to be on the better defensive side than offensive side. If you're bringing all this offense, you can't then say, oh, I don't care about defense because clearly Bruce Pearl teams have cared a lot about defense the last few years. And so overall, when you start to think about everything this team could be and how much better they could get the two offensively post-Zep Jasper, thinking about the potential of their point guards, thinking about if they get this versatile wing that might be an upgrade from Alan Flanagan, who was a respectable player last year, then you bring back Jalen Williams and Janai Broom, who are two of your better, more consistent players, two, two of your top three players from last year. That's looking pretty good. That's looking pretty good overall. I agree. I think this. I think next year. I think we said the same thing about it this year. I think you're going to go as far as your guards can take you. Uh, I think Aiden Holloway, like you said, I think he has the highest ceiling of anybody that's going to be on this roster. I think with uh, uh, Denver Jones, I think he's going to score like crazy. I mean, averaged 20 points a game at FIU. He's going to get close to that. Maybe not match that at Auburn, but get closer. And and then you've got like you said, uh, goodness, Trey Donaldson. My God, it's it's so weird how I come on this show and I try to remember names and I just can't. <laughs> but it's Trey Donaldson uh, is the guy that, man, I don't know how good Trey Donaldson is going to be, but I've seen how good he can be, and that's very, very exciting. So moving forward, I think your backcourt is going to be really good. I think your rest of your, your team is, is going to be guys that you can kind of center around that. I think you've got two guys down low in Williams and Broom that are going to be uh, really high contributors. And I think that I've, I've said for a while now, if Jalen Williams can get more aggressive, get more confident in himself, I think he can go from scoring 10 or 11 points a game to closer to 15 or 16 uh, and make just that much more of an impact. So I think that Auburn is on the edge of having a really good team. And I, I kept saying last year, this team's just one guy away, just one guy away. Well, now you've got maybe that guy in Denver Jones, and also you've upgraded at a couple of positions, potentially upgraded at point guard, and you're looking to upgrade at uh, one of those wing spots. So I think next year can be a really exciting year for Auburn basketball. I'm I'm talking myself into really big things next year. I'm already yeah. now you yeah. got again want to get that another another three in there. Want to get Cleveland <laughs> or or Tyson or or somebody of that caliber in there to add to it. Uh, but but certainly you can see a path to why an Auburn team next year uh, could look pretty formidable. We're going to take our first time out of the show. When we come back, while birthdays and sports, we'll also go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. Stay tuned. More sports call after this time out. On the air, weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry with you here on this wet Thursday afternoon. At least it is not uh, severe weather because usually uh, like 50-50 rain in the month of April accompanied by severe storms. So uh, there are a couple, I saw like a water spout um, near like Destin or Panama City or one mm-hmm. of those uh, off the coast of Those things are terrifying. Panama. Yeah, it's not it's not up the it's not like the to do list is hey be around when there's a water spout uh, right nearby or anything like that. But um, so glad it's just kind of normal rain up this way that has caused some headaches in Atlanta today. But still trying to play baseball, they did officially get going. So if you're we're listening to that earlier, it has resumed. If you want to head over to twelve thirty W A U D, and if you do head over there and say goodbye to us for the moment. If you missed anything, you can check out the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. Coca-Cola tastes the feeling. Of course, we're available on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and the Tiger Communications app. All right, before we go any further today, let's get to today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. All right, today's birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn, the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. George Gervin turned 71 today. Former NBA guard was born in Detroit, was an All-State selection in basketball in 1970. He played his college basketball at Eastern Michigan, where his number 24 is now retired. Played two years in the ABA before joining the Spurs in the NBA, where he spent most of his 18-year career. He is a nine-time All-Star, seven-time All-NBA selection, and four-time NBA scoring champion. His number 44 is retired by the Spurs, and he's a member of the Naismith Hall of Fame. George Gervin turned 71 today. Chris Carpenter turns 48, former MLB pitcher. Carpenter was born in New Hampshire and was an All-State selection for three years in high school. As a junior, he won a state title. He was drafted 15th overall in the 1994 draft by the Blue Jays and made his MLB debut in uh, 1997. Played 15 seasons in the majors, 12 of them with the St. Louis Cardinals, three-time All-Star, one-time Cy Young Award winner, one-time NLERA leader, and two-time World Series champion, member of the Cardinals Hall of Fame, Chris Carpenter, turns 48 today. Josh Harris turns 34, long snapper for the Los Angeles Chargers, formerly of the Auburn Tigers. Harris grew up in Carrollton, Georgia, where he was a star player in football, baseball, and wrestling. Attended Auburn University, where he was a part of the 2010 National Championship team. Following college, he was signed by the Atlanta Falcons, where he started for 10 seasons before signing with the Chargers. One-time All-Pro and one-time Pro Bowler, former Auburn Tiger Josh Harris is 34 today. And Keenan Allen is 31 today, wide receiver for the Los Angeles Chargers. A lot of Chargers here late. Allen was born in North Carolina, where he was a star athlete in football, basketball, and track. He played college football at Cal, where he was an all-Pac-12 selection in 2011. He was taken in the third round of the 2013 draft by the Chargers, who he's played for ever since. He is a five-time Pro Bowler and needs to stay on the field and not be injured. (laughs) Keenan Allen turns 31 today. And those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. Again, George Gervin, 71, Chris Carpenter, 48, Josh Harris, 34, Keenan Allen, 31. I've always hated Keenan Allen, not because he's done anything to me uh, or my team. 
but because the first year I ever played fantasy football, I lost in the semifinals, even though I should have won, but Keenan Allen scored like 35 points in one game. And it was because of Keenan Allen that I lost. And so ever since then, I've disliked Keenan Allen. In general, I would, Good think, player. I would think if there's a random player that one does not like in the NFL that has like never played in the division of the team you root for, I think a lot of the time it can be traced back to ill-fated fantasy woes. Yeah. Getting injured on your team, underperforming for your team, ending your team's season, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. I mean, again, I don't play, but I can see how you could feel victimized in the fantasy yeah. world a couple times to every, take it out. Every other player, my guy scored more than his guy. But Keenan Allen, just by himself, pretty much won him that matchup. And ever since then, it's just been... Yeah. It's been no love lost between <laughs> myself and Keenan. Oh, I'm man. sure he's broken up about it. 334-887-341 locally, toll free, one triple eight nine tiger 9 are the numbers to join us today on Sports Call. With that, let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. Ward Damn Steve. Retire Ward Damn Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? Good, gentlemen. Have a bit of a thunderstorm uh, early today, but uh, we uh, made it through. And Brett, good afternoon to you too, sir. Afternoon, Steve. How are you? Uh, much better after watching uh, The Evil Dead Rise yesterday. Yeah, we uh, we talked a little bit about that off air. And uh, I saw the previews for that um, like two or three months ago. And I think that the first time I saw it, because I had never seen the first movie, the first time I saw the trailer, I was a little mortified. And I was like, man, this might even be too much for me. But I've been desensitized to it because I've seen the trailer probably 20 times now. So I think I might end up watching it eventually. Yeah, it's uh, if you like uh, Evil Dead or The Walking Dead and all that, yeah, you'd want to see it. And it's definitely a, a movie you don't want to see on a big screen. I don't care how big a screen TV you've got or surround system. It'll do no justice to the uh, effects uh, in a movie theater. And I was the only one in there, by the way, so it was even creepier. Uh, but it's worth uh, seeing. Okay, talking about creepy, uh, I enjoyed thoroughly listening to the podcast last night of uh, Mr. Uh, Tom Peavy's uh, weird uh, but uh, wacky Wednesday coincidences. Yes. Uh, they, they, were, they were enjoyable and interesting. Uh, all I know is if I was a cyclist, I'd stay away from Malaysian Airlines. <laughs> yeah. No, between that and the girl that kept getting on all those boats that kept sinking, like it yeah. just it felt like a you should be on a no passenger list too. Like the 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 liner, the cruise liner and stuff should not let you on either. Like the, that should be a mutual parting of ways. Yeah, I would say, oh, she's trying to get on board. No, 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 no yeah. not on this one. Uh, and then the really odd one, uh, the 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 twins. Uh, having the same dog's name, that was uh, interesting. I'd like to ask Tom if he could do further research, like, you know, what were the dates that they got married? Uh, what was the time span uh, between their first and second marriages? Uh, so I'd like to see, you know, if there are any coincidences, any coincidences uh, in, in those uh, uh, kinds of uh, information. Yeah. And then the balloon with Laura Buxton, that was an odd one. I was really odd that it didn't went to a girl who had the same last name. I was wondering, were they not related to each other? Yeah, no, I, I, I guess, I guess not. Yeah, some. I mean, it's not too uncommon of the last name Buxton. I mean, I've heard Buxton a decent amount, but that is still very weird. Okay, and they both had the same first name, right? Yeah, no, it's uh, strange. Yeah, 
That's even odder. Yep, stranger than the fiction. So, yeah, I hope that he will continue to do it because uh, it was thoroughly enjoyable. Okay, speaking of uh, things that are weird, um, I know I wasn't on the show yesterday, but this happened, I guess, two nights ago. I saw the video clip of it from uh, uh, Bleacher Report, and I said, I couldn't believe this. Uh, I'm talking about the Hawks being able to win uh, at the last, I guess, second, because I saw the clip uh, uh, on the road at Boston Celtics, right? Uh, who was the shooter for that number eleven? Yeah, Trey Young. He's uh, Atlanta's best player. He's their franchise player. Uh, he had a really good game, like thirty-eight points, thirteen assists, something like that in the game. Atlanta's second best player had been suspended for the game, so that was what's made it even a little crazier was that they were able to go on the road and, and, and overcome that. And Trey had a great game and hit that shot. And now the next game of that series is tonight. And well, what got me is. It was like an uncontested shot. The guy was in his face, but he was making it from the parking lot almost. Yeah, no, that's that's you know Trey's got one of the better ranges in the NBA. There are there are a few guys that that hit from out there now and, and will shoot semi regularly. Believe it or not, there's some guys with some crazy range in the NBA. But the shot making is at an all time high, and it's really hard to to stop some of these teams in the NBA. And then the real weird one was, uh, I guess, apparently last night. I guess got it from. Uh, uh, the the Bleach Report. I uh, saw the clip on. I'm watching it. The Bucks season ended with they had two timeouts left, and uh, they lose the game. Uh, well, why wouldn't they have taken a timeout uh, since they had some timeouts, you know, still uh, available? Yeah, the worst one was you know at the end of regulation, Butler hit that uh, tough layup, that falling away layup with a, yeah. with a half a second left. Right, and it, Milwaukee had a timeout. Of course, in the NBA, you can advance the ball into the front court with a timeout. And Boonholzer, I think, like the rest of us, was just watching. He he just was like, "Whoa, what a shot by Jimmy! Oh crap, had a timeout, didn't use it." So. That was that was coaching malpractice in that part. You've got to call, you have to you have to call the timeout to advance the ball, and and you only need point three to get a shot up, and they had point five, so they could have gotten a shot there. They they uh, they did not do that. Well, I'm just curious because I didn't see it. Uh, I'm not in the NBA that much, but did any reporters ask him why the timeouts weren't called? They're still available. I, I didn't watch his post game. Surely they did. I mean, you you have to. I mean, that was a. Again, that that was any any average person that watches basketball knew to take a timeout there, and and he did not. So I, I surely they did, but I I did not watch the post game presser to know for a fact. And I didn't know. I guess you guys knew it. They were the number one seed. Yeah, Milwaukee was the one seed. That's like the, by by the betting line. That's like the fourth biggest upset uh, in NBA playoff history for for a one eight matchup. Wow. Okay. Uh, moving on, uh, let's go to what we're doing really good in Auburn sports. And I, I, I unfortunately, you know, I should know better. In fact, I probably have worn this statement out. But in Auburn sports, you know, after watching for 50 years, no lead is safe enough. Right, guys? Sure. Six to one. Six to one now. I'm thinking, oh, we got them. Nah, not so fast, my friend, right? Well, and but and also it was so early. Like if it's six to one in the ninth, you feel you feel really good about that. You should not be blowing five run leads in the last couple of innings. But just and then you only score one run, Ryan, for the remainder of the, of the game. Right, and uh, you know Tom Tom went to that game. He, he mentioned this a little bit on the show yesterday that they just brought in a pitcher that just 
uh, started to mow Auburn down, started to strike him out more. And, uh, you know, again, overall, seven runs still is is not a bad job. I know that they cooled off the final innings, but, um, you know, unfortunately they they just they went cold there in the last seven or eight innings. What's even more, to me, shameful is that uh, apparently Troy has a much, much better likelihood of making the NCAA regionals than we do. But, you know, well, what do they base this on, you know? Or do they look at, hey, okay, they may have a better record, I guess, but they haven't faced the same level of competition, I don't think, compared to what Auburn had to face, right? Yeah, no, and I, I don't think it's a much better uh, chance to make the tournament. I think that that's very similar. I know their RPI is better than Auburn's. And well, but, Ryan, I saw this thing on, on, while I was watching game on TV, interrupting that we're the five last out. Yeah, first first five out. I don't, and I don't know where Troy was on that. I I, I would should double check, but uh, yeah, I mean, I agree that Auburn clearly has a far better, a more difficult schedule. Um, I again, and I I don't know everything that Troy's done. I know that. You know, we can talk about that some some of these leagues do sneakily have a couple good teams that um, that that it makes it a multi bid league, unlike in basketball or football. Because I know Kevin Kevin Ives was talking about like Coastal Carolina is now obviously in the Sun Belt. They won a national title in baseball not too long ago. So some of these smaller schools, in the same way that in the SEC, like Vanderbilt is awesome at baseball, even though they're terrible at the other big sports. In the same way, some of these smaller schools are low-key really good in baseball. And so while it's still nowhere near the SEC, that Sun Belt is probably a multi-bid league and, and has uh, is not typically as, as bad of a conference as it is in other sports. Okay, well, uh, I just I said, wow, is Troy that, that uh, talent-rich compared – and is their competition been equal uh, to Auburn's competition that we've had to contend with? Uh, anyway – They've got to keep winning. And uh, speaking of coincidences, how coincidental is it both our softball and baseball teams are playing on the road at South Carolina, right? Yes, but far far different challenges for the two. Softball, South Carolina is okay. They're not awful, but they're okay. And then obviously South Carolina baseball is awesome, and there's not many better than them. Okay. Well, uh, thanks for that encouragement. All right. So <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, Auburn sports, let's stick with uh, the uh, women's golf team. They're a number two seeded team. I didn't know they were that that good. Uh, I I knew that they had done pretty well for the most part in the SEC tournament, but yeah, and and I know that they had some some really good outings this year, but I did not see where they were seeded. So you said they're a two seed, number two seed. Right, they'll be playing in the uh, um, the Oklahoma Regional. Okay. Yeah, right. San Antonio. I think it's called San Antonio Regional. Is that right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, do you know anything about the men's golf? Uh, team or what uh, they're going to be competing in. Uh, I can't say that I do off the top of my head. I think uh, Brant's trying to do some quick research here, but uh, I have not I have not seen what's uh, what's up with men's golf post-SEC tournament. Okay, get to work, Brant. Alright, <laughs> moving on, guys. Staying with Auburn Sports. Uh, this was a bit of a head scratch. I don't know how much it matters, but uh, I was reading from Phillips uh, Marshall's musings uh, from Wednesday, and uh, he talks about that uh, Alabama in softball is right number 16 in the polls, but we're number 17. Even though we, Auburn, has won a series from two top 15 RPI teams in the past two weeks. Uh, he says, I'm not saying there are any shenanigans going on, but uh, the mathematics format doesn't seem to add up. Um, 
I don't understand either. How could they be ranked higher when we beat them two out of three? Right. So, and that's just one of the polls. There are a couple polls that Auburn is ahead of Alabama in too, because uh, in, in in baseball and softball, there's like four or five polls that that are looked at. And um, so, I, I agree that uh, Auburn should be ahead of Alabama, really, in all the polls after going to their place, winning two out of three, and and having a, a slightly better SEC record, but. Uh, I, I still want to see how everything shakes out because there still are two more conference series. And, again, as long as Auburn's in the top 16, which I, I know that would be very uh, important that they're 17th in that one, you know, that the, I, as always, it's still a selection process. And so the polls are still not necessarily what, what will come to fruition with the selection committee. So, um, again, still still some stuff to be determined there. I certainly agree that Auburn should be a, a spot or two ahead of Alabama after winning a series in Tuscaloosa against them. But there are still a couple of polls that have Auburn ahead of Alabama now too. And you know, call me a you know uh, a, an Auburn whiner, grumbler. Uh, I'm sure I'll hear from Anthony eventually. But you know, this is a head scratcher too. You know, I'm almost concluding that you know if your brand name is Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, one of those, you're going to get the benefit of a lot of doubts that you wouldn't get otherwise. I'm referring to, because uh, I didn't know this until I read this, two SEC pitches of the week were chosen, and they didn't include Penta. Hmm. Yeah. I, I uh, Again, I'd have to, to see what those other girls did, but I know that, that Maddie's continued to be excellent. Well... She pitched 14 innings. I'm reading this from uh, Philip Marshall's column. Gave two runs. Right. And then he says that a lot of apparel uh, on the SEC network uh, is just constantly, you know, drooling over uh, Montana Fouts. And I, I don't doubt she's, she's really good. But very little praise has been given, apparently, uh, to Miss Pitt and what she's done. And uh, I'll tell you, this is what she's done. In Missouri, seven innings, one run she pitched. Then second Missouri game, seven innings, no runs. Ole Miss, seven innings, zero runs. Ole Miss, seven innings, one run. Florida, seven innings, zero runs. Do you get the, uh, the trend here? Yes. No, she's been but excellent. How did she not yeah. get the SEC Pitcher of the Week is, uh, to my incredulous. Yeah, again, I, I'd have to see who actually got it and what they did because obviously it's only a one-week sample. and. And Maddie was terrific, obviously, with 14 innings and two runs. So it'd be it'd be hard to believe that someone would be as good or better. But again, I don't know uh, off the top of my head who won it. So uh, again, she's been great all year. But again, without seeing the other person, I, I don't know the validity of that. Yeah, I don't know who. They, but now these stats I was reading to you, Ron, came from uh, since uh, their loss at Oklahoma on March the 19th. Right. All of these games. Um, so anything about that? Uh, but then, also, I know I heard you guys talking about the uh, intelligence quotients. Of, uh, are you talking about the AIQ? Uh, are you talking about for the uh, the NFL draft? The no, I'm talking about they're using it in the NFL draft, but also for college prospects too. And the coup for this program, because it's a pro software program, it's called the AIQ. Uh, it includes uh, a uh, Auburn uh, alumni. I didn't know if you'd read that uh, on two four seven sports that column. No, I didn't know that. I, yeah, no, we're referring to the same thing. You're talking about the tests that some of these kids going to the NFL draft are, are taking, uh, these cognitive tests, right? Yeah, but this is more than cognitive tests. It's a puzzle uh, and a game uh, test. Maybe we're talking about two different things. I'm not talking about 
the, what was it, the Wallifer or something test? I'm not talking about that one. This is different. It's called the AIQ. Yeah, no, I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Uh, it's, a, it's a good read. It's by Jason Caldwell. It's called The Future Scouting, Recruiting, and Roster Development. Okay. And uh, it was developed by Jim Bowman and Dr. Scott Goldman. Uh, and it's, like, I guess they've been working on it for about the past 15 years. And it's the, the Wonderlick. I mean, maybe you're talking about the Wonderlick, but this is quite different. So they took 15 years developing this uh, test, and it measures uh, critical thinking skills, uh, reaction time, uh, and it's done not in a uh, questionnaire type, but it's done with puzzles and games that you play like video games. Right. Now, this, so- this sounds like what, what they're doing now. They don't use the, the Wonderlick anymore. That, that's that They use this cognitive test, which is what it okay. sounds like you're, you're describing right now. Okay. All right. Uh, so uh, I thought that was pretty interesting, and uh, an Auburn student uh, alumni is involved in that. Sure. Okay, so real quickly, guys, uh, these uh, games we got coming up. What's um, I guess what's the likelihood that uh, we can win two out of three? Because uh, we have to win in baseball for, for uh, to be able to get to a regional. Probably about six more games, right? Yes, uh, six more SEC games in the final. Uh, Four, three, no, yes, four series. Four series four left, Four series, yeah. yes. And we have, what, three or four series left? Four series. Four series. What's the probability and likelihood that we can do that? You, knowing you're, our, you're, our, our, our backups. You are facing two teams at the top of the table and two teams at the very bottom of the table. Uh, the ideal scenario is, I mean, obviously you sweep the two bad teams, but uh, the way Auburn's pitching has been, I don't expect that, but... Take two out of three against the two teams at the bottom of the table and don't get swept when you're visiting uh, South Carolina this weekend and LSU in two weeks, I believe. Okay. You see that being probable that we can win at least one game from uh, from each of those opponents? You're going to need a great perf- performance from whoever your starting pitcher is in that first game. It's probably going to be Tommy Vale. Uh, he's going to get the start in the, the first game against South Carolina. Uh, so you're going to need great performances from him. He's looked really good in his last two starts, uh, but uh, obviously, you know, he would not face the likes of South Carolina and LSU in those two starts. Okay, is it their pitching that's that's so down, it's, darn good, or is it their hitting? It's both. It's both. both? It, LSU and South Carolina are both in the top three in the country uh, in most polls, so they're they're both pretty dang good. Okay, should we just go ahead and just cancel the games? No, we should uh, we should play them. No, we should not cancel them. Okay, uh, all right. I was being a bit uh, procedural there. Okay, uh, and then Mr. Uh, Cleveland, uh, he's there down to us, Miami, and uh, who's the other contender? Uh, was oh, it Missouri, yeah. Missouri, yeah. Missouri, yeah. Do you know, as he said, when he's going to make his announcement? No timetable. Uh, I assume that after he completes his visits, it would be very soon after, but uh, I, no no specific timetable. Okay, according to Nathan King, he made a rather interesting, if not odd, comment maybe, uh, saying that he was looking forward uh, to, or he's been told, he, they were, by Bruce Pearl, looking forward to possibly being the uh, replacement for Mr. Alan Flanagan. And then Alan, and then uh, Bruce Pearl added to the report, I guess Nathan King was one of them, uh, he said, how'd that sound? you know he made that comment? I, I did not know he made that comment. Yeah, so does it look like 
that Allen, I guess, is out the door? Yeah, again, we don't we, know. We, we, we don't know until he announces. Yeah, we, we, we've talked about that he, he's going to wait till he graduates here in a couple of weeks, and then we'll make a decision. And uh, we, yeah, I, I, I think that a lot of it has to do with if Auburn does land one of these guys like Matthew Cleveland. And I guess it's old news, but I just want to get your thoughts real quickly. Well, what about Dylan Cardwell decide not to return and go elsewhere? Uh, he, has, he has not said that he is leaving. No, not Doug Cardwell. Who was it? Um, Chandler Leopard? Or... Yoan Treor and Chance Westry are the two no, scholarship no, guys who no. transferred out. We were looking for him to return to us, but they decided to go elsewhere. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, Chandler Leopard transferred, but I mean... No, not him. Yeah. I, and Leo Berman came back. Um I and you're sure it's basketball? I mean, I you know Chris Moore coming back. I mean, I don't know. I don't no. know anyone else uh, leaving at no. this moment. No, no, no. He left us. Going to another oh, team, Devin Cambridge. You're talking about Devin Cambridge. Devin Cambridge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What do you think of him? Not uh, well. Cause I thought he was going to return, but then he turns around and goes somewhere else. I think it's yep. best for both parties that he went somewhere else. He was not going to start at Auburn next year. Okay, so not a significant impact loss then. No, not if you can land one of the guys like Matthew Cleveland or Jalen Tyson or even Alan Flanagan comes back. Okay, guys, thank you very much uh, for your time as always. My, I know my time is way up, so uh, I hope uh, you'll have a really relaxing, entertaining afternoon. And if you like horror that's really gory and uh, just makes you want to not watch one for a while after that, go see Evil Dead Rise at the theaters. With that said, guys, Thank you for your time at the end. Uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow and uh, War Eagle. War Eagle, Steve. Appreciate that phone call. Uh, SEC softball pitcher of the week went to uh, softball superpower Missouri's Lauren Krings, who pitched 15 consecutive scoreless innings and threw her third career no hitter. Oh, no also, hitter. Also had uh, 28 strikeouts over the week. Seems fair then. Yeah. That's she, what, she earned it. Again, she's earned it. I, I As good as Penta was. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, for the totality of the year, I'm sure Penta's still leading she, the world. She, and, she leads yeah. the SEC in wins. She's second right. in strikeouts. She's perfectly fine as she is. I, I don't think she's feeling slighted by this at all. Right. And again, you know, with some of these sports, can keep complete tabs on everyone, like football and basketball, and feel pretty good about everything. But again, once you start going down the list a little ways, you know, uh, admittedly, we've got other sports on the docket too, so don't see every single thing that happens in, in SEC softball and, and baseball. But certainly keep up with Auburn's part, point of view, and, and, and Maddie Penta has been uh, awesome, and she was awesome last week. And uh, the hint for you here is she will win someone's uh, player of the week in uh, just a little <laughs> bit, and uh, stick around for that one. Just a couple minutes left in the hour. We'll keep it right here. Uh, again, a lot of NFL draft conversation coming up in the next couple of hours. For now, we'll just spend a minute or two on the Atlanta Braves here, Brant. And uh, Braves had a very successful inning while uh, Steve was chatting with us up to a 4 nothing lead, trying to four-game sweep the Marlins. Really, anyone that plays, uh, you know, they, they have had incredible success against non-Astros and Padres this year. <laughs> uh, and Because now even at home here, they've had no problem with the Marlins, it seems. And uh, this team still has what, what's so encouraging. This team has played really good baseball. Whether they're about to go to eighteen and eight, and they've still had some 
fairly key injuries. I mean, maybe not the 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 top guys like Acuna and, and Olsen and stuff, but you know, Freed missed a starter two, Wright missed a starter two, working on rehab assignments for Rossell Glacius, Michael Harris, Travis Darno. I mean, there was a there's some really good players that have missed time. You've had Ozuna hit nothing. Rosario just now starting to come around the last couple of games. I, there's somehow still some room for improvement, even with a team that's uh, looking like it might go to eighteen and eight to yeah. start the year. This Braves lineup is incredible, and the pitching staff is young and also very very good. Uh, and while you've lost some key pieces and it's hurt you, I think especially in that first Padres series it really hurt you uh, but uh, just looking at this team you've got great players up and down the lineup and I that's credit to Alex Anthopoulos that he's been able to build this lineup and keep it you know even when you lose two or three guys you have enough firepower in your lineup to to keep it going you've lost your closer you know you don't have that back end rotation piece and you're still managing to win the close games late because A.J. Minter, though he has blown, I think, two or three saves so far this year, uh, he, he's still been good in most of his opportunities. So uh, a good player that uh, you don't have your main closer, but a guy you also, you still have a guy uh, that can do the job. And then, you know, like I said, you look at the lineup, you have not lost the most important pieces. I Let's talk – Ronald Acuna Jr. is starting to look like he can win an MVP. He's hitting over three fifty right now. Uh, I think something close to that number, and he's hitting over 400 uh, in that leadoff spot. So just a, an incredible start to the year for Ronald Acuna Jr. He's he, he's on pace, I think, to steal over 70 bases this season. Uh, so he's he's playing really, really well. And I, I think that up and down the Braves lineup, up and down the, ro- the pitching rotation – They've just been incredible all season long. The next series for the Atlanta Braves is in New York against the Mets, and of course, that'll be a fun uh, one. That that is still the team that figures to be the most relevant in terms of contending with Atlanta uh, for the NL East crown. I know Philadelphia is injured right now because of Harper, and, and and Philly will still ultimately have a pretty good team. They're back to around five hundred, but uh, the the Mets will definitely be the ones to watch and. You play only. You don't play as many against each other as you used to. You play twelve or thirteen now instead of like the eighteen, nineteen numbers. So uh, we'll see how the first series when the Braves and Mets goes this weekend. We are out of time for hour number one. Of course, we'll take more of your phone calls throughout the show on the Auburn Make phone line at three three four eight eight seven thirty four one locally or toll free one triple eight nine Tiger nine. Also coming up in the next couple of hours, a lot of NFL draft discussion, including a little NFL news, including. A little college football playoff news as we're starting to see how the timeline is going to work out for the 12-team playoff once it begins in 2024. So we have a lot more ahead for you. Stay tuned. More Sports Call after the break. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. 
It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy and Brant Daughtry with you here. Fun couple hours ahead as we again start to preview uh, the NFL draft coming up tonight. Also tell you a little bit about... uh, the college football playoff schedule that uh, looks like it's going not even more than proposed it's going to happen uh, for 2024 in terms of when they are playing all these games what day of the week which is going to be interesting and and some uh, crossover between the NFL a little bit too so we'll get in that in just a moment but for now let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line 334-887-341 locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine next up on the show today Anthony from Auburn. Anthony is with us. Anthony, how are you doing? Doing good. And you guys? Doing well. Y'all got a minute or two. I want to talk some football and have some fun, but uh, I'd like to start, before we get on the draft and and that playoff y'all just mentioned, I want to ask y'all something. Now, you know, last time I talked with y'all early in the week that, uh, you know, it was X amount of players that left the Colorado program. I uh, got word today that 50-some players uh, total, or uh, 51 players total have left the program since they had the spring game, uh, uh, you know, this past weekend or whatnot. Uh, is that, should that be a major concern? That's over half of your scholarship uh, limit. Uh, would a portal and NIL money uh, uh, sue that or, uh, or help that problem or what? Yeah, it, it is. So the, the number is now 55. And it oh, is it, it is fifty five overall that have transferred out, not just since the spring game. I think it's about thirty since the actual spring game last weekend. Uh, yeah, that is a mass turnover. I mean, that is now that's sixty percent of the scholarships, almost two thirds at that rate uh, of scholarship players turning over. And look, the the argument you could make to try and defend it is that look, Colorado was bad last year and they have don't have a lot of good football players but at the same time, part of a coach's job is to develop players too so, you know, they are, they are definitely getting in a new wave of players and some of them will be clearly more talented than the ones they had before, but yeah, when you when you have that amount of roster trimmer I mean, that's I think that's unprecedented That's it's crazy. You know, when you're talking about going into a, uh, I know they don't have the regular old school two-a-days anymore, they call it more like fall camp now, but just for uh, my sake or whatnot, although some of those old school players going into two a days, uh, I mean, what kind of chemistry are you gonna have when you got a bunch of players that's gonna come in? Not, well, I mean, through that portal between now and, and whatever the uh, deadline for going through that process, you got to get them in here and get them in your strength conditioning program for the summer workouts, and then you know uh, whatever your graduate assistant can do far as in, in a film room or on a chalkboard. I know they don't have chalkboards anymore, but you know. But in that situation, drawing up plays and things and then getting out on the field when it's allowed to get out there and work, uh, doing a two-a-days and, and trying to get a system in, a bunch of players that were not there, I mean, especially a number like that. You know, if you had four or five people coming in, that might be one thing. But when uh, 50-some players and got up out of here and 30 just in the last few days or whatnot, I mean, what kind of chemistry or anything are you going to be able to build or what kind of uh, system are you going to be able to put in 
that's going to make any kind of sense that you have a chance and even win enough games to go bowling, even win enough games, just say we won five games. Yeah, very little, I think, for, for, for this year because, again, you know, um, he is new to this program as a whole, so he's not had a system that uh, some other players can even teach upon the new players. And when it's more new players than old players, I mean, what system, even if you did have one in place, would be able to be easily uh, brought down the line to all these other guys? So I think they're going to have clear chemistry and, and learning challenges this fall because even still if you had tried to say okay well at least most of the transfers had been in for spring ball well that's not necessarily true either because of this large amount that have left post spring game so uh it, it seems like any work they would have done in the spring is now kind of nullified by 30 more players hitting the portal a week later so i i think that you know in a way i, I mentioned this yesterday on the show in a way this is kind of what colorado and dion want because here we are talking more about Colorado football than we have probably in two decades. And, and so in a way, that is good for them. They're getting some publicity. But yeah, at some point, they're going to have to build a program and, and develop a system and all that. And, and when you're turning over this many players, you're not getting off on the right foot. So I guess in hopes of going ahead and take your lumps and be now and maybe three or four years down the road, get in a position since they're going to extend the playoffs that either position you might be able to do something in your conference, whether it be first place or second place, but with a 12-team type uh, playoff situation, you might can make that. And uh, who knows what kind of noise you can make. But, uh, you know, uh, it is what it is. But moving along, I would like to uh, point one thing out. You know, I was talking to my brother last night, and I was telling him, I said, you know, uh, with draft day coming up, uh, which is today, just think, had Tank Bigsby probably uh, – made that business decision to go elsewhere or get in the portal. A running back of that caliber, we've seen what he can do. Uh, if he could have got with a team that had the offensive line, that it could have helped him get where he needed to go, whether that's winning a Heisman or a Dope Walker or being an All-American, or perhaps even with a team that could have gotten the playoff or whatnot, that this guy could have been uh, having his name called tonight and being, uh, I mean, you know, that big first round, that big payday right off the bat other than having to maybe be two or three rounds uh, later on and, and getting whatever that pays and hoping that uh, perhaps he could turn out some kind of numbers and perform that contract might be restructured or some kind of extension towards the end, like we've seen with some of the, like a Jalen Hurts or somebody. You know, it just if he just would have made that decision instead of being maybe sweet-talked or danced to the music and got seduced, if you want to use that, uh, if you will. Uh, what do you guys thought? I, mean, I think it doesn't matter. Those are my thoughts. I think Tank Bigsby made the decision to stay at Auburn, and he has his own reasons for it. Go ahead, Ryan. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I, I think that clearly his draft stock, you know, took a hit after last year. He did not have as good of a year as, as everyone hoped to have. A lot of that had to do with the offensive line, and and obviously a lot of changes at Auburn had to be made after that. But you know, in in, in terms of NFL, sure, absolutely, there could have been a better scenario for him out there. Uh, and, and obviously the college success that Auburn did not have last year hurts too. But but sometimes kids really do love a certain coach that they're playing for or, or just a special place that they that they feel at home at. And, you know, I, we've, we've talked about the, the recruiting prowess and the ability of Cadillac Williams to, um, you know, have 
uh, a really robust recruiting record and then also be a guy that, that kids love to play for. And, and that being his position coach, someone that has been in the NFL that's, that knows what that's like, I still think that's someone that's perfectly capable of developing an NFL running back and, and building a relationship with someone that, that means a lot to someone. So, yeah, again, yeah, from, from, the, from the macro standpoint, you can look at it and say, yes, he could have gone somewhere else and been a part of a better team or, or found a way to maybe increase his draft stock a little more. But there's more reasons than that for just a kid to, to stay in school or stay where he's at. Well, yeah, I guess you're right. Everybody have their own reasons for what they may or may not do. Perhaps somebody else would have looked at the dollar signs other than perhaps a relationship with a coach or a school or, or what kind of good time feeling they might have had there and, and maybe going the other route towards the big dollar sign. But uh, you guys had mentioned something about a playoff schedule that it might overlap with the NFL, might not have a time to get the games in. Uh, what's going on with that? Yeah, so uh, th- this kind of developed pretty quickly today. I, I guess I-, I was not familiar with the timetable that they'd start releasing this. But uh, So Brett McMurphy today and-, and others, Ross Stellinger of Sports Illustrated and all that, uh, were given, uh, the, the uh, I guess, a preview or, or a-, a-, a meeting with Bill Hancock, who runs the college football playoff. And, and so they provided a-, a-, a schedule for the 2024 playoff of course the first edition of it so the first round campus games which are of course on you know on campus sites uh the the round that four teams have a bye will take place one game on friday december 20th and three on saturday december 21st the quarterfinals which will be the sugar fiesta peach and rose bowls will be on weekdays they'll be on tuesday december 31st uh, one of those games, and then three games on January 1st, which is a Wednesday. Then the semifinals, the Orange and Cotton Bowl, will be on Thursday, January 9th, or uh, Friday, January 10th. And then the college football title game in Atlanta will be Monday, January 20th. So the playoff will take about a month to transpire, and there will be some weekdays involved there, particularly around New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Well, that sounds like some good football. I mean, I'm going to have to take some vacation time when that kick in so I can enjoy those uh, uh, those games. Uh, I mean, that's what everybody's been looking for, uh, have some kind of playoff or tournament where you have more teams, give everybody the opportunity and see who the true champion really is instead of just having the same four teams all the time that usually dominate everything. Let them get in a real playoff and see can they go the distance. See can they go jaw-to-jaw, toe-to-toe, and battle that thing out and, and win it that way. I mean, that's the way to go. And then I guess the remaining bowl games they got, they can let everybody else have those or whatever kind of formula they come up with or, or whatnot. Uh, some of them may be played uh, as a Labor Day Classic that we've talked before on this show or, or a Spring Day Classic or A-Day Classic or whatever you want to do. That's some creative things can be done to uh, get more value out of those bowl games if you just, uh, you know, maybe move them around a little bit instead of being uh, played like they normally do when you ain't really got no crowd, they ain't making the money. Be creative and do something like that. And everybody can be happy, and everybody can get a piece of that big pie pig that we talk about, eat those barbecue ribs and, and that apple pie and, and cherry pie and any other kind of pie that you can think of that can be baked in the oven and served up. Y'all have a good one, and I appreciate it. Appreciate you, Anthony. Appreciate that phone call. Man, you made me hungry at the end there. I like pie. I like ribs. Uh, may, ribs, good draft food tonight? Anyone? That's not a bad idea. Ribs, yeah. Get it on a smoker if you got one. Yeah. No, I, 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 I'm with him there, though. I, I am excited for this bigger playoff. A, a lot of people are. I know it's not for everyone. Everyone wants to make it a playoff that's you know just truly the, the very best teams, the clearly the best teams. But, uh, again, I don't think there's harm in a bigger postseason for that. And, again, me as a consumer of football, like, 
if you're playing meaningful games for the title for a full month from mid-December to mid-January, I'm a fan of that at the end of the day. Now, there is some overlap uh, with the NFL just from the standpoint of, you know, that uh, I guess the, the Saturday before Christmas, I think there will be some NFL games. There's usually a couple games uh, on, on the Saturday before Christmas for the NFL. So that might be some overlap on that Saturday, December 21st. I think that's the NFL overlap that people are referring to. Uh, other than that, you know, midweek, uh, December 31st and and uh, January 1st, when I saw some just generalized tweets that there's going to be weekday playoff games, I, th- I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. That's going to be maybe not to everyone's liking. But we've always had New Year's Day bowl games. That's that's always been a thing. So I, I'm now not seeing the issue in that because we've always had the likes of the Rose Bowl or Sugar Bowl or Outback Bowl or whatever be on January 1st or around. So so I, I'm I'm okay with that part of it. The semis being on either Thursday or Friday, okay, that's a little different because that's the that's a weekend to January and uh, the ninth or tenth is is sometimes the date of a title game, but it's usually on a Monday. Um, and then the title game ended up on January 20th, you know, it's kind of into the month of January, but you're still a few weeks away from the Super Bowl, so you're not really conflicting with that. And I don't know. I mean, do you have any, any, uh, any quells with what this schedule looks like or any preferences of how you would prefer it to be? I see what you mean. And I don't know if there's a better way to do this. This is just my thoughts on it. I, it's weird to have college football in the middle of the week. I understand that they're doing it because it is January 1st and, that's fair. I, I think that's a fair time to play these bowl games. But also, I don't know. There's something about just college football on a Wednesday that's weird to me. You know, but I, I understand why they're doing it. I don't know. I can't think of a better alternative option because, you know, you don't want to try and go against the NFL. You're going to lose three-fourths of the country if you try to go up, go up against the Shield. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think you have to avoid that. Again, I think they're in the guise of this. You know, it, when it's Thursday, January 9th, this is a different conversation. I think the semifinals would be the, the dates that we would yeah. have maybe more issue with. But New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, those days transcend the calendar on the day of the week. Yeah, I agree. You know, Christmas is another one of those. Like, it doesn't, like you don't refer to uh, January 1st as being like, oh, you know, this is a Thursday. I need to act like it's a Thursday. No, you act like it's the new year. You know, December 31st rolls around, and it's on a Monday night. You're not like, hey, Monday night, I don't drink on Monday nights. <laughs> I'm not celebrating tonight. You know, that that those dates kind of transcend what day of the week that they're on. And so with college football in particular, again, we've been always playing these bold, these big New Year's six level bowl games around that time or on those days. And so they they I think we were you know, we were talking about this too. There was one particular year, uh geez, four or five years ago, it was pre twenty twenty, and it was either December thirtieth or thirty first, something like that, where they had the playoff on a day that it was not typically on. And they were doing a little taste test of, uh, of would the ratings be the same. And they weren't. They weren't as good that year. And I don't remember which day it was, but it was not January 1st because so much of this has always happened January 1st. And they kind of decided to stay away from that day. And I wonder if it was the 31st because, again, you've got the slant here of only one game in the quarterfinal being on the 31st and then three being on New Year's Day, which would be a Wednesday in 2025. 
So, again, I, this, this gives you, because of the timing of the year, this gives you the most difficulty in terms of scheduling because you're going against real competition from another league in the form of the, form of the NFL, and then you're going up against the calendar that's kind of odd because you're all out of school during those weeks uh, and that month for the most part. Uh, so you're kind of in between classes. So when you have on-campus games, you're like, well, all the students are gone. Well, I think they'll come back for a, a, yeah. a game like that. A but, playoff game, you know, the students will come back. Sure. And, and, and so, but, you know, that's kind of a weird dynamic to navigate through, semesters being over and that sort of thing. And it's just not as natural on the calendar to try and add and subtract around this time because there are a lot of other factors, both sports and non-sports around there. It's not like you're just adding something in to like the month of May or June where there's not a whole lot going on. So again, I I, I think I've seen a few people be a little perturbed or like, oh, this is going to be kind of weird. Wasn't it always going to be kind of weird because of just what time of the year it was? And again, if you just went strictly Saturday and Sunday stuff, obviously the Sunday would be dominated by NFL because it's that time of the year. The NFL has already started to occupy some Saturday space in the waning weeks of their season. So I again, I don't know what the what else the solution would be. And I'm certainly, by the way, of saying, well, well, maybe you just shouldn't have expanded. No, we're, <laughs> we'll, we'll figure this out. Okay, that's not a good enough reason not to figure this out. I would rather have more football than less football. Right. Uh, that seems like an easy equation. And and so, again, that that is the model. Again, if you missed it while we were talking to Anthony, first-round campus, on-campus site games, one on Friday, December 30th, three on Saturday, December 21st, and then quarterfinals, which will be the Sugar Fiesta Peach and Rose Bowl, one on Tuesday, December 31st, one, uh, three on Wednesday, January 1st. Again, this is 2024 going into 2025. We're still a year away from this. Semifinals, the Orange and Cotton Bowls will be on Thursday and or Friday, January 9th and 10th of 2025, and the college football title game, the first one of the 12-team playoff era, will be in Atlanta, hour and a half down the road, on Monday, January 20th. I do want to add, at whatever date you're looking for that they decided not to do it on, I just had the memory, it's not January 31st, because they played this year's semifinal on January 31st, because I will forever... December 31st. December 31st, uh-huh. thank you. Uh, because I will forever remember Ohio State's kicker missing that field goal oh, as, as the clock right. struck midnight and all the fireworks went off. Yeah, I don't know if it's that they decided, again, it's a fuzzy memory, and maybe they just went ahead and did it anyway again this year. It might have been the 29th. I don't know. It was just, it was a date that they were not accustomed to doing, and I'm I'm sorry that I'm just being as vague as humanly possible, but there was one day around New Year's. Sometime in late January. Late late December, early January, where they were not happy. It's okay. Again, messed up the two months. I still believe you. Um, <laughs> there's one day around that time where they were not happy with the ratings and they said, we're either not doing this again or it's going to be a while. So uh, they, for the most part, seem to be avoiding that equation. And yeah, I mean, it tells you again, we're, uh, we've got one more year of kind of status quo football. The SEC will look the same that it has the last decade. There will be a few conferences that are starting to change, but USC and UCLA will still be in the Pac-12 for now and all that. And then, then <laughs> one year down the road, 2024 could just be everything's different. Yeah, nothing nothing everything. was the same. Nothing and was the same. Conference opponents will change. Rivalries, hopefully not too many will change, but some will change. 
And uh, we'll have 12 teams in the college football playoff. It will be a very exciting time. We're going to go into our next commercial break of the show. When we come back, we'll start to hit on some of the NFL draft. Those that will not ever get to partake in a 12-team playoff. Those <laughs> that will be competing against some future college players on a NFL Saturday when they do it around uh, Christmas and all that. So we'll talk some NFL drafts coming up right after this. Call into the show. Send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy and Brant Daughtry with you here. Pretty proud of the fact that we've gone an hour and a half without doing anything specific draft-wise. It's like good patience on our on our half. We've we've waited for our 3-1 count to swing. <laughs> and so we're about to swing away here. Do want to get you, though, one little NFL update before... Um, we saw the Aaron Rodgers tr- uh, trade finally go down earlier this week. So involving another marquee quarterback, today is the day that finally Lamar Jackson and B- the Baltimore Ravens kissed and made up. And uh, they <laughs> finally agreed to a contract today. Five years at around $240, $250 million, $180 million guaranteed. The highest paid NFL players contract average annual value Ding, 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 Lamar Jackson, you got what you wanted. You were number one, $52 million per year. Here's the others on the top ten. Second is Jalen Hurts, who just signed a deal like a week ago at $51 million. Aaron Rodgers at $50.2. Russell Wilson, yeah, at $48.5. <laughs> Kyler Murray, yeah, at $46.1 million. Deshaun Watson, yeah, at $46 million. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, what a value, at $45 million. Josh Allen at $43 million. And uh, that cuts off, but Daniel Jones is up next at, at ninth at uh, just over $40 million there. So um, Lamar got what he wanted. Uh, he got nearly that $200 million guarantee. Baltimore did not have to pay him for the next decade. They five-year deal there. So if he starts to break down on the back half of this, they can say, I told you so, and their wallets don't cry forever. Uh, it seems fair. Well, what about you, Brant? Yeah, I like it. 26-year-old former MVP. He's your franchise player. You signed him to a deal that 
I, I'm not going to go so far as to call it team friendly, but the rumor was he wanted 200 million guaranteed, and he got away with giving him 180. Uh, I think that that's reasonable. It's weird that we throw around numbers like this, and we're like, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, 180 million dollars guaranteed. Just just sign your name. 180 million. Can I have one percent of that? <laughs> well, I'll, it's I'll ca- sign for that right now. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> He doesn't have an agent, so he doesn't have to give up that three yeah, percent of that, which I true. think is what seven, eight million dollars, something like that. Yeah, so one point eight is one percent, so it's about five point four million. Yeah, some, so he do, he did it representing himself. His his gamble paid off, and he's now the highest paid player in the NFL. Can I just say, I, going back to the Deshaun Watson thing, I'm so glad I didn't get my way because I wanted Deshaun Watson to come to Atlanta so bad and then he signed with the Browns and I was mad about it <laughs> and then all the stu- all the details came out about all, all the the off-field off-field stuff and then he played poorly and all of that combined made me go huh all right right yeah I'm glad I'm I'm glad I'm glad I did not get my way in that particular instance yeah well that's a conversation for another day but certainly Watson will have to you know I I don't think it's Inevitable that he won't ever return to his right, form, but right. certainly early returns are just again, yeah, yeah, just ugh. awful. Uh, so Lamar Jackson has his new deal with the Baltimore Ravens, and of course, uh, that is I. It's really about the last big transaction I feel is going to take place in the NFL. Um, I know that there's still some older running backs like Ezekiel Elliott out there. Uh, you know, Odell Beckham's sign now though. Uh, with the with the Ravens, yeah, yep. um, you know there, there's some so there's some guys with names at the end of their career that's going to sign in like July or August, you know, and, and kind of avoid the summer workout deal and that sort of thing. But other than that, I mean, that that's kind of the end of it. Maybe DeAndre Hopkins gets traded at some point. So let's look at the NFL draft now, and we talked a lot of quarterbacks as any good talking head show should. <laughs> And we've talked a little bit about uh, Auburn guys yesterday. We're going to bring Auburn guys back up tomorrow after we get through round one. The only one with any, even a puncher's chance of, of being drafted tonight is Derek Hall, but I really think he's more in that 45 to 55 range, somewhere mid to late second round. So Cam and I are both pounding the table for the Falcons uh-huh. to take him at 44th. There you go, and, and that would fit right into that range. So don't expect any Auburn guys tonight. Uh, when we go through the draft order, okay, just got to remind you of first things first. Our, obviously, Carolina is at one. And let's kind of go through it through the order. I'm not going to go through, hey, here's all 31 picks in the first round. Yes, there's only 31 because someone lost a pick. Hmm. Um, but let's look at we'll, – we'll kind of go through it. We might skip over a few teams. That's fine. We won't have time for all 31 here in an hour and a half. But um, – Let's assess some of these situations as we go through it. So let's start with Carolina. Obviously, they they are on the clock. It is their choice. We talked about it yesterday, but Brant, you were not on this show. But I I know you agree with this. If they take Will Levis <laughs> after they traded up to one, and I know those rumors are 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 still pretty mild. There's really no one that's that plugged into the NFL. It's more of an internet rumor mill thing. Mm-hmm. If they took Levis after trading up to one, someone needs to be fired. Yeah, because he, they, yeah, he could have been available uh, where they were at, uh, which was uh, was it nine or were it, they at it, nine? It, I think it was nine. Hold on, because they traded they traded 
straight up with Chicago. And yeah, right. Chicago is taking is going it's ninth. Nine. So maybe he's available at nine. Maybe it's not. Maybe you have Richardson at nine. I still think you get one of the four quarterbacks at nine, personally. So I'm not happy if I'm Carolina fan if I take Levis. And really, I'm not happy if I'm any fan base taking Levis in the top <laughs> ten, period. Um, is there any argument you'd like to make for Stroud or anyone else? I mean, Carolina's got to take a QB, right? So it's got it's got to be Bryce Young in your eyes? It's either Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. I could see them. I, I could see you having Stroud higher than Young. I think most teams do have Young higher. Uh, I, I think when you go back and you look at what C.J. Stroud did – I mean, just watch the tape from the Georgia game. He pretty much single-handedly gave Ohio State a chance to win that game, and it was really uh, the the play calling uh, toward or the decision making uh, from Ryan Ryan, Ryan Day. Day. Ryan Day, I got it just as soon as you said it. For, it was the decision making from Ryan Day that did not give them as good of a chance to win that game. But C.J. Stroud just absolutely went off, and he went off a couple of times. I think his ceiling might be a little bit higher than Bryce Young's, but I think Young is is should be 1-1 here. I, I think they are going to pick Bryce Young. Uh, but I, I could see them taking Stroud. I know that apparently he didn't do very well on a cognitive test that you play on an Xbox, uh, which there's a time and a place. I get that. These things are valuable. There are resources that you have to use as differentiators. But I think if you're using this cognitive reaction test uh, instead of uh, tape to judge a player, to judge a prospect – then, man, I I, just, I I don't believe in that. We should have done like a big deal, little deal, or no big deal and just mm. named like <laughs> all these standardized tests and just be like, yeah. SAT, big deal, little deal, no big deal. Co- I, cognitive test for the NFL. Yeah. What is it, the CS2 or something like that? Uh, I can't remember, but some, some reaction time, cognition, ignoring distractions test that, again, you do it on an Xbox with headphones on and and – yeah, there's a time and a place where something like that is valuable, and you can use it to differentiate uh, between two good players if that's the, where you want to lean. But again, at the end of the day, tape is what has to matter. Before we move on from Carolina and from Bryce Young, I mean, what is your personal projection of what Bryce Young will become in the NFL? I think his limitations are more physical than mental. Uh, I, during his first couple of years at Alabama, I thought he didn't handle pressure well. I think you go back and look at the Iron Bowl from two years ago, you see what pressure did to Bryce Young. Uh, when you got him off his spot, he turned incredibly average. This year, he really turned that around. He became one of the best quarterbacks under pressure uh, that I've seen. So I think the only thing that can hold this guy back is that he's 5'11", 190. He's not very big as far as quarterbacks go. But I again, if you get him behind a decent offensive line, and I don't think the Panthers have one that is absolutely awful right now, they've got a pretty good defense. Uh, I think that they can be perfectly fine uh, if they get him a good O-line and a, a solid wide receiving core. Yeah, it certainly became a um, – I don't know how great the line is pass blocking, but I know it's damn good run blocking yeah. there, and yeah. that's a place to start. Their run game was really good last year. Yeah, they, they it was to the point where we were questioning – not – all the way, but we were like, well, how valuable is McCaffrey actually? Because they <laughs> they had plugged whoever they wanted into there and, and were getting 100-yard games out of those guys. I think the pick for Carolina has got to be Bryce Young. I personally think that he is a starting quarterback for a long time in the NFL. I do not think he is necessarily becoming an elite quarterback. I think he will have his moments where he edges into the top 10, top 7 
maybe as a quarterback in the NFL. I do not think he gets into that Mahomes, Burrow, Allen uh, tier at, at, at all. That does not mean he will not win at some point because not every single Super Bowl team has a top three or five a five quarterback on their team. I mean, it, it happens a lot, obviously, because we've seen an era that, that had Brady win millions of, of things and then Manning <laughs> won a couple of times. And, and uh, obviously we had some other ones like Roethlisberger and Rodgers win one. But then for every one of those, you know, you still had a Joe Flacco Super Bowl in there. You still had a couple of cases of teams with very average quarterbacks at least getting to the Super Bowl in the form of Jared Goff with the with the Rams, or uh, you can even go back to uh, the 49ers and Garoppolo. So you certainly can be knocking on the door, if not win, without having a top five quarterback in the league. As, as important as it is, as great of a chance as it gives you, it kind of wards away inconsistencies. If you have a top guy, like a top guy is not going to fall off, go seven and ten all of a sudden, right. you're always going to make the playoffs but certainly what you can still break through without it and i think bryce young will have times where he will look like a top 10 quarterback in the league and again i think he will um he will play for uh, be a starter for a, a long time i don't know if russell wilson maybe is is <laughs> the the right comparison we do we just do that because he's the same size and right. has some of the same deals there but but i think that what I like most about Bryce as a player, and then you alluded to it, breaking him down a little bit, is that he extends the play so well and that he does not have to extend the play just to run. He will, And he will still make the right decision. Like Some guys will extend the play and then feel like they have to force something because they've gotten out of the pocket and they kind of frantically look for something. But Bryce feels like he does a pretty good job of, all right, well, man, I gave myself six seconds here. There's just absolutely nothing, though. I'm just going to have to chuck it away. I hate it. And, and he still makes really good decisions like that. And I know some people worry about his size and all that, but okay, I, <laughs> Alabama's got a pretty damn close to the NFL offensive line year yeah, in year out, yeah. if for nothing else for the size of those boys. So, I, if he can see over them in Alabama, I don't see how the NFL is going to be drastically different. I mean, that's the way I process that. Yeah, I think the thing that benefits Bryce Young more, I don't know what his ceiling is, uh, but his floor. I feel like we both agree his floor is no lower than top 16. You know, he's going to be a decent at worst NFL quarterback and I think that that justifies taking him first overall because his ceiling could be a, a top 10 guy, a top 5 guy on a really good year. And again, no quarterback's ever going to have success without a good team around him. And look, having a NF an MVP caliber quarterback does not guarantee you a great season. So there's something to be said for having a guy who's Floor the the worst he's going to do is yeah he was fine he was all right right so we're in, in agreement on young one now the party begins and we still took a <laughs> long time on one but that's okay because that's a that's a very important pick you you grade you grade franchises and GMs based on if they get the number one pick right or not so number two is Houston famously was number one until the last week of the season. And then Lovey Smith. Go, go, Lovey. Love, love, Lovey for that. This is where it could, uh, you know, two diver, uh, two roads diverge in a snowy wood type <laughs> of deal. Uh, do you go quarterback, or do you start to make the quarterback sweat a little bit, and you go 
defensive, defensive, uh, defensive, and either Will Anderson, who we agree is the best player, but there's rum or best defensive player, probably best player overall, or there's this commentary about Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech, who's believed to just have incredible upside, and you know, going to be honest, did not get to see him play obviously near as much as Will Anderson. Certainly think the world of Will Anderson as a prospect. But I still think the conversation here is if you're Houston, and Cam and I discussed this a little bit yesterday, and he brought up compelling points. He made me reconsider my position. But I believe that you just can't tank another year because you tried to actively be bad last year, and you still didn't get the one pick, and you're still now contemplating that that wasn't good enough, that even number two's not good enough. And I understand that Caleb Williams and Drake May are really coveted for next year. But you're going to tell your your fan base and franchise you're going to tank two straight years. Maybe they're on board because they're just in love with Caleb Williams and they would be like, oh, we'll suck for another year. We don't care because he is potentially that good. But I just have a – the GM in me make wants wants to make it work. Like you just don't want you want to be good on it. You don't want to lose and, and know you're going to be bad for another year. And so, you know, Cam's argument, which was a good one, is hey, you've got a defensive coach in D'Amico Ryan's. Start him off with an excellently talented defensive player that he can work with. And I kind of like that. I kind of like that, and that makes sense to me too. But again, let me go back to what I said with Carolina. You you have I've I'm now at the point where you can talk me into Will Anderson at two or or Tyree Wilson. Although again, if you're going defense, I'd still prefer Anderson. Here's what you can't talk me into. Will Levis. Will Levis yep. <laughs> if you go quarterback, it needs to be CJ Stroud. And that's it. Thoughts. Um Yeah, the Will Levis discourse is insane. I, I just don't get it, but yeah, the Tyree Wilson versus Will Anderson thing is interesting to me because it's been so recent. Tyree Wilson, it's almost like you're going pure upside. He was at Texas A&M for three years uh, and did very little. Uh, and then he transferred to Texas Tech for two more years where he got 14 sacks in those two years, which is respectable, certainly. He wasn't All-American, but I just feel like we watched Will Anderson be the best player in all of college football for at least one season, probably two, um, get Heisman votes as an edge player, get, get Heisman votes as a defensive player. You don't ever see that. Uh, the dude's insane. I, I understand you're, you're going upside with Wilson. His measurables are insane. I have him pulled up here. He is six foot six, 275 pounds. He's a big boy playing edge, and he's got quickness to move around 275 Anderson conversely is 6'4 243 so two inches shorter and about 30 pounds lighter but I don't know I I, I don't understand going uh I don't understand going Wilson over Anderson but I I get the temptation to go upside uh I'm I'm in agreement with you CJ Stroud is by far the second best quarterback available uh, if you are going to go quarterback, I feel like he is the second safest bet, and I feel like he has the highest ceiling of anybody in this class, not named Anthony Richardson, and we'll touch on him, I'm sure, before the show is over. Uh, so, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Will Levis would make me laugh a lot because nothing would be more Houston Texans than taking Will Levis second overall. So only got a couple more minutes left in this hour. 
Here's the other thing about the Texans, though, and so we won't spend time on if we even get to this pick number, but we'll go, <laughs> we'll we'll do we'll do things quickly in hour number three. They also have the twelfth pick, and see that's where I start to fight back in the argument in the line of thinking where okay, if you go Stroud uh, as uh, yeah, we just watched the the Braves blow a four run lead in the ninth. Um, if you go Stroud at two, you can still go defensive player. At twelve, yeah, something like I, it might be a little bit of reach because he's supposed to be upper teens, low twenties. Something like uh, Nolan Smith from Georgia. Mm-hmm. Something like Joey Porter Jr. from Penn State, who's mocked in the mid-teens. You could still get a a first-round level guy at twelve on the defensive side of the ball, and you've got Stroud, who, again, back to my original opinion that I held. Um, weeks and weeks ago before it became popular to start bashing C.J. Stroud <laughs> was I thought that Stroud and Bryce Young were on a very similar level. Like I also think Stroud will be a starting NFL quarterback. Again, I don't know that he'll ever become an elite starting quarterback, but I do think he will be a top-half NFL starting quarterback. And so I that still remains just as attractive to me because – the, there's a few teams that have two first round picks that gives you so much versatility you, you could even trade back up into like nine or ten and use a couple of your your other capital because they still have their their second round pick so they still have number 33 which is a damn good pick they could get back into the top 10 and take some other guy that they wanted valued really high defensively heck can we invert this and say if you want to go the other route is Richardson or something at twelve, <laughs> you know, or or Levis or something, you know, is the is the fourth QB out of four? Yeah, there at twelve. I've I've looked. I'm I've got some mocks pulled up here, and one of them does get, does say Will Anderson two, Will Levis twelve. Wow. So, and see that would be okay for them because yeah. they're not taking Levis ahead of Stroud. That's mm-hmm. just what I can't I can't figure that. I just can't. I'm not saying you have to avoid Levis like the plague the entire first round, but you you can't if you, if you need a quarterback and Stroud or Young's on the board, you can't go Levis before them. That's all that I ask. No matter the pick number, that's the bare minimum that you have to do. Is you cannot look at me and say you'd rather have you'd rather have Levis over Stroud or Young. You just that's that's the one thing I made the comparison yesterday for the Carolina's sake. If you go Levis over Young, same conference. It is kind of similar to the Mitch Trubisky going over to mm. Sean Watson. Same yeah. conference. Yeah, absolutely. And yes, the other team had more talent. Doesn't matter. Just because you're big and throw the ball hard, that's not everything about NFL quarterback. And when you're playing similar competition, we know who played a lot better, and we know who should be graded higher. So out of time for our number two when we come back. A little bit more non-quarterback stuff starts to come in the drafts as we go through the top five and top ten. Of course, Brands of Falcons fans, we'll talk a little bit about the Falcons. And then uh, I will get a word or two on, in on the post-Brady Bucks and how Todd Bowles needs to not be there before I get excited <laughs> about anything. Anyway, we'll be right back after this timeout. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. 
Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy and Brant Daughtry with you here this afternoon. We've been talking good bit about the NFL draft in that previous segment. Uh, we've also had some uh, other good stuff from some of our callers like Anthony from Auburn and Retire Ward and Steve. Talked a little college football playoff as that schedule for 2024 got released uh, and uh, going to have a couple weekday games, but they mainly center around New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, and uh, just got a lot uh, of things to cover. Again, we've talked a little portal for Auburn basketball, as always. Still just not much to, going on in the Auburn football portal. Um, yes, I just made the entire portal Auburn's. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the transfer portal presented by Auburn really should be presented by Colorado. Uh, and I, I think that uh, we will – see if a few commitments i'm gonna i'm gonna say sometime around ne- early next week we'll start to see a couple i know auburn's had some visits but again no big quarterbacks buckner from notre dame did go to alabama today rejoining with tommy reese his oc from notre dame now in alabama you know, i'm sure he'll compete for the job have no idea if he'll win the job i know alabama's not very pleased with their quarterbacks post spring ball but uh anyway th- that's kind of a rundown of what we've done so far we will get back in the draft in just a second, but before we do, we get to today's or this week's Sports Call Player of the Week. Auburn Softball's Maddie Pinta is Sports Call's Player of the Week. The SEC leader in wins added to her season total in Auburn Series win over Alabama this past weekend, starting and winning the last two games of the series. Pinta pitched all 14 innings, giving up just two runs and giving the Tigers their first series win over Alabama since 2018. In Game 3, Pinta outdueled Alabama starter and three-time All-American Montana Fouts. With the win, Auburn is now tied for third in the SEC standings with two weeks remaining in the regular season. Maddie Penta is Sports Call's Player of the Week. Again, a big thanks to Mr. Brant here for putting that together for us each and every week. Again, yeah. uh, Steve brought up Maddie Penta a little bit. Uh, Penta has been incredible for Auburn. They pitch for two out of three uh, games in each SEC series. And uh, if she was anything less than awesome, the Auburn would not be where they are. But now they're on the edge of, of potentially hosting a regional because she twice a week, three times when they have, have had a midweek game, has just been going at it in the circle. Yeah, her she's been incredible. If you haven't been paying attention to Auburn softball, you're missing out. This is a really fun team. Uh, and just any time Penta gets to pitch, it's appointment television or appointment radio or what have you. She's been awesome and – the rest of the team has kind of fallen in behind her to the tune of she's leading the SEC in wins, and Auburn is third in the SEC right now. So they're they're really putting it on right now. And and going to Alabama and taking two out of three in that series, uh, I, I mentioned it, but outdueling Montana Fouts, who's been the best pitcher in the SEC for a while. She's a three-time All-American, and, and they, pit it, they pit Maddie up against her in that series, and Maddie won game three. It was an incredible performance, and – uh, I mean, obviously, the, the bats have to do their thing. A pitcher cannot win a game because a pitcher cannot score runs while she's in the circle. But it, all in all, just 
she's been incredible all season long and will continue to be incredible, one must hope. So Maddie Penta this week, Sports Call Player of the Week, two weeks in a row for her, but very well deserved after a series win in Tuscaloosa to get Auburn right on the edge there of that top 16 ranking. Some polls have them in the top 16, some have them at 17, and uh, she's been very important to Auburn's success. Uh, one other uh, kind of clearinghouse note, Atlanta Braves did blow the 4 nothing lead <laughs> in the ninth after I said it was looking good for them. Uh, if you're mad at me, please send all emails to it was not my fault at gmail.com. Uh, that uh, would be the preference there. AJ Mentor at the Braves right. Dot, dot org. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and so uh, Braves lose a tough one tomorrow and still take three out of four. But again, big series come up in New York. I know it's 20 something games in, but any series against the New York Mets, if you can count towards the tiebreaker and everything. And you, obviously, you gain two games for each win you get. And uh, it's always good to, to get a series victory. So it'd be a, a nice series, hopefully, in a, a successful series up in New York. Back to NFL draft items. It's convenient that we're on number three coming up next. <laughs> we already talked Texans and Panthers. So, Pro Football Talk, uh, who is They're solid. They're, They're not Schefter or some of the big newsbreakers, Rappaport in the NFL. They do respectable work. Uh, they are reporting that there could be a trade in the works. Again, this is not official, not finalized. This is just talks. That Arizona is shopping number three to Tennessee and DeAndre Hopkins for Tennessee's 11th and some other stuff. I don't know what the other stuff is. I know that salary cap plays a role, and so Arizona is trying to get off of Hopkins because they're not going to be any good next year, period. They're not even going to have Kyler Murray to start the year, and so having someone that's on the wrong side of 30 now in that wide receiver room, as great as he is, is probably not going to help them out in any way. Anyway, I get that. But what a coup if the Titans <laughs> can not only get Hopkins – but also get the third pick because let's look at it from team perspective really briefly. Tennessee is kind of lining up for one last hurrah. I'm not going to use last dance. We do that too often. How about you win a title? Then we'll say last dance and act like the Michael Jordan Bulls or whatever. But Tannehill is in the last year of his contract next year. And obviously he's been an average quarterback that they're not going to just, you know, move Earth to want to resign. Also, he's an aging quarterback at this at this time. But then also even uh, you know, Derrick Henry, who uh, is at this point on not definitely on the decline. He had another fifteen hundred yard year, but his contract comes due pretty soon. I think it's maybe two years left, trying to figure out right now. Uh, and then with obviously the aspect of he is a running back and therefore the the the, top, the clock can tick a little quicker, even with the great ones like Derrick Henry, where he could go from year to year being an all-pro guy and then all of a sudden just be an average guy and then the next year be done. I mean, that that's how quickly it happens, even for some good running backs. That's pre- pretty standard for running backs, right. yeah. And so next year is probably Tennessee's last chance at, prior to a rebuild being necessary. Well, what if they can give it a good college try next year with what with Hopkins as a true number one, with Henry still having gas in the tank, last year for Tannehill, and get the third pick to potentially be developing someone behind Tannehill, sit a year, and then start in year two. They were kind of trying to do that with Malik Willis, but 
the consensus with every quarterback last year is we just don't know if there's any NFL starters long-term in the draft last year. And then correctly, the market valued most of those guys second, third, fourth round. And then the guys started to get taken in those rounds. And maybe one or two starters emerge. I know Ritter's going to start this year for the Falcons. We'll see how it goes. But Malik Willis looked awful for Tennessee. And so they're already kind of (laughs) internally saying, yikes, and that's not going to be the answer. (laughs) So this might give them a chance to get in the quarterback arms race, too, while getting Hopkins – and being able to be more competitive to try and win an, an AFC South is quite frankly not any good next year. Yeah. The the question is, is Stroud available at three, or do the Houston Texans take him at two? Right now, most people seem to think that the Texans are looking defensive, maybe. we. I mean, we obviously don't know. This is what's so interesting about this to me. I touched on it at the top of the show. The top five to ten is usually pretty set in the NFL draft. Right now, we both are pretty in agreement that Bryce Young is probably going to go first overall, and after that, it's just a crapshoot. And that's that's what makes this year so much fun as we have conversations like, man, what do the Houston Texans want to do with their franchise? Yeah, Do they want to try and be good next year? Do they want to commit to a quarterback? Or do they want to suck next year and try to grab Caleb Williams right. when he becomes available? Or Drake May out of North Carolina? It just... It, there's so much intrigue, and I have no idea what the answer is. I don't know what they should do. I, I know that if I was the Texans, I believe enough in C.J. Stroud that I'd probably take him, but also Will Anderson has potential to be a generational talent at an at a incredibly important position at edge. So I don't know, man. It, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, and I forgot what got me on this tangent. I don't even know where we are right Just now. Just the fact oh, that yeah, it could be a trade here. Yeah, it could, yeah. could be C.J. Stroud taken at third by uh, the card by the by the Titans. Pardon mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Uh, in the last year of Ryan Tannehill's deal, and, and they could get a really good wide receiver, one of the best receivers in the NFL, who's probably towards the end of his career, but still has. I think he's got one or two. St- really st- good yeah, at least yeah. at least one more year left, and and like you said, make one last push with. A quarterback that you know can be fine. You still have at least a little bit of Derrick Henry left, however much we don't know. But you've got some. And then you've got a really good wide receiver towards the end. So just like you said, one last push with this core and see what they can do. And that's I think this draft is shaken up to be pretty interesting if it continues like this. So again, right now, Arizona still has the pick. We will see if that Tennessee trade comes to fruition. I think that'd be a great trade for Tennessee. We'd have to see what else they gave up, obviously. But Arizona at three is not taking a QB. Kyler Murray got paid a lot of money, and I know he won't be ready to start the year. We assume he won't be, but they won't take a QB. So if if you're Arizona, you want Houston to take a QB, so then you have access to Will Anderson at three. And maybe they trade out of it if they feel that Houston is taking Will Anderson at two because they might have wanted Anderson and they might have lower grades for Tyree Wilson or anything like that and and they don't need a quarterback and therefore they can trade down because that was the only guy that made sense for them and he might not be there if Anderson goes second. So let's move on to Indy at four. They're another team in the quarterback arms race. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Obviously with Jim Irsay's comments throughout the offseason, he's not sly. (laughs) <laughs> they want a quarterback. And they were kind of involved in some of these trade talks. They've ultimately stayed at four. They were before Carolina did it, they were kind of in play to move up to one with Chicago. And I and obviously Carolina beat them to the punch. I wonder what the Colts' perspective is on Houston. 
And I know we don't always talk about this from different divisions other than maybe the NFC South because we're all seemingly fans of a team in the NFC South. But, like, if you're Indianapolis, there's only three teams ahead of you. One of them is a team you play twice a year. And you are kind of in the same market. You're, you're both flirting with that quarterback market. In fact, Indy, Indianapolis seems married to the quarterback market, but Houston's still flirting with it. Do you want them to take a defensive guy so that you can hopefully have Stroud to you at four? Is Ursay in love with Levis? Are they, <laughs> is he in love with Richardson? You, like, you don't know. I think it's much more likely that he's in love with Anthony Richardson. That's the, one that, that's the name that I keep seeing is Anthony Richardson to the Colts at four. Um, but I certainly think that if Stroud's there, if they do take uh, Will Anderson at two and the Cardinals or the Titans, whoever's there, doesn't take a quarterback, I think you take C.J. Stroud at four. But there seems to be a lot of chatter that Anthony Richardson is beloved by Jim Irsay. And I could see Jim Irsay reaching on a guy like Anthony Richardson because, uh, yeah. as we've touched on over and over, he is a gamble. And if it doesn't work out, man, you've wasted a top five pick. But if he hits, he's got – I mean, he's he's basically Cam Newton physically. It's just can he do the things that Cam Newton did. Physically, yes, he can. He has the physical ability. But, I, you know, and, what, what else does he have? He doesn't the, have the rest of it. The reason I mention Ursay here and why you're talking about what Ursay might, by proxy, desire here, willingness to take a chance, is yes, I know there's GMs. But it's still the owner of the team. Jim Mercy will make this call. Because the owner either decides whether to give the GM the autonomy to do something like this or no, this is still my pick. And Dallas is a little different because Jerry Jones does call himself the GM. I mean, you know, it's it's not my fault if, it, <laughs> if it's not going good. But uh, give me all the praise if it is. Um but Ursay is going to be the guy that decides this. That's why, for years, the joke with the Davis family with the Raiders is they always took, they were just obsessed with speedy wide receivers. They just could not help themselves. Mm-hmm. Whether it was Ruggs a few years ago, Darius Hayward Bay, who was an utter flop out of Maryland years before, they just were in love with speedy wide receivers. That was their style. And, and that's because the owner didn't change. It wasn't anything to do with the, the scouts or anything like that. And so in the same way here, Ursa is a guy that's willing to live on the edge and take chances, and the chance play here is Richardson. Because as much as volatility as we talk about with Levis, Richardson is still the bigger swing guy here. Like I think that I think obviously people think Levis can be awesome because of his big arm talent and and, and just He's been right, he's been Roethlisberger right. but faster is right, what is Joe Bartle said yesterday. So Obviously, they think he has a high ceiling, but the difference is is that Richardson, because of his running ability, could somehow be this freakazoid, like <laughs> generational guy. Like if everything works out for ten years, Richardson can join that conversation of top five or six quarterbacks. That is his ceiling. Yeah. However, his floor, his floor. is the starting quarterback of the Birmingham Stallions <laughs> in a few years. Yep, And so that's what makes him different from these other guys. Like, I just don't think there's a scenario where Bryce Young doesn't belong in the NFL or where C.J. Stroud doesn't belong in the NFL. Even Levis, to a degree, feels like he'd at least be a backup in the NFL for a few years, and you can call him Blaine Gabbert in 10 years and be like, hey, gosh, he's been in the league forever. Remember when people thought he was going to be awesome? Well, he wasn't, but he's still in the league. 
But with Richardson, he generally could be all the way out very quickly. Or he could be awesome very quickly. So that's what makes it interesting. Again, I think Indy's going QB no matter what at four. It's just a matter of who's available to them and how big they yep. want to swing. Absolutely. All right, moving down the list a little bit, let's talk Seattle, and then we'll take our next break. Seattle, and then we'll start to really jump around. We'll go down to Atlanta when we come back. We'll go down to Tampa. Any final thoughts? So we'll just we'll say, hey, we did top five, and then we did some other things. So Seattle at five, they got this pick in the Russell Wilson trade. And again, a reminder, they also have another first-round pick. They have the 20th pick. So they got five and 20. They're one of those unique situations where you get to have a lot of fun tonight. You're going to do a <laughs> lot of important, potentially franchise-changing things. And so the mocks to them are interesting. Definitely seen a mock with Tyree Wilson, assuming Houston does not go that route, uh, taking him second. Um, trying to see like the CBS mock uh, has uh, them going Jalen Carter at five. Feels defensive guy. I also remember in the past a few mocks where they went quarterback too, but I think we, we had a conversation at lunch about this with, you know, how much does it mean that they gave a lot of money to Geno Smith? Also, to you right here though, how much does it mean that they have two first round picks mm-hmm. and how can they kind of parlay that into safety valve if that was just one phenomenal year of Geno Smith and that's not actually who he is versus improving a playoff team from last year that was a surprise playoff team but nevertheless Pete Carroll still going at it even though he's one of the older coaches in the league that franchise is still being run pretty well overall so the the value of being high enough to draft a quarterback that you like versus just trying to improve a pretty good team from last year yeah like you said we touched on it at lunch my preferred landing spot for Anthony Richardson is going to be the Seattle Seahawks because what they did with uh, Geno Smith last year I think is replicable, and so do they. They they proved that when they paid Geno this offseason. But Geno's also older. He's into his 30s now, so he's not going to be around forever. I think it's the ideal landing spot for Anthony Richardson because he can come in, learn from a guy who's really smart in Geno Smith, a guy that is well-respected around the league for how intelligent he is and how well he handles himself on a football field, come in, learn how to play quarterback in the NFL, and then two or three years down the road, you've got this athletic freak that can that, that knows what it means to play quarterback now. So, uh, and, and he can learn from a guy like Geno Smith. And I, I really, really love that for the Seahawks. And like you said, they have two first-round picks. So they can absolutely come in and say, hey, we're going to take a gamble on this guy at five, but whatever, who's what's their second pick? Uh 20. 20. 20. So you're going, okay, well, there are 19 guys gone. We can still get a guy that this year can help us win playoff games and help us get further in the playoffs than we did last year. And so they can really have their cake and eat it too right now. I'm very jealous of the state of the Seattle Seahawks. And if I was Anthony Richardson, that is where I would want to go. It is fascinating that we have two teams that can fall into the same category. Two teams that have two top 20 picks – they're both in the they both have their first pick in the top five in Houston and Seattle. That both you could make an argument for taking a quarterback in one of those slots and taking a defensive player in one of those slots. I was thinking about this. Maybe I don't like Richardson at five, and and I'm just going to have to admit that that he's gone. But I've got something like Jalen Carter or Tyree Wilson or something yeah. I really like at five. But at twenty. What about Hendon Hooker mm. as the fifth QB? I mentioned, you know, we, we know four are going in the first round, but Hooker, depending on 
who you look at is still probably going tonight. It's just not going to be in the top half. Yeah. So I, th- there's a lot of routes that you could go when you have two first-round picks and you got one such so high as what Seattle and Houston do. I wanted to talk about Hendon Hooker at some point, and since you just brought him up, I'll go ahead and say this. I think if he didn't tear his ACL towards the end of the season, we're talking about him as a top 10 pick. I think he would be somewhere in the top five of quarterbacks uh, to be taken and probably third. I think he's still behind Young and Stroud, but I think he's ahead of Anth- of Richardson and Levis yeah. right now. So I think he could still get very easily taken in the top 10 if he was going to be available by the start of the season. Again, it's funny that you know I'm sure if someone out there has connected these dots, probably most of you have connected these dots by now, but it's like we're talking about five quarterbacks here yeah. and four of the five are from the SEC. Mm-hmm. You know, and and the quarterback play that was in this league. And what's funny about it is, we I say quarterback play that was in this league, but at the same time, some of these guys were not that great this past year. Again, like Richardson was not great. Yeah, <laughs> he had very fun moments. Completed just over half his passes. Right, he had very fun moments where it's like, oh my gosh, that's one of the best plays I've seen all year. And he had other moments where it's just like, can he complete a pass? Like they like they need to score a touchdown at some point this half. Can they do that? <laughs> you know, and same thing with Levis. Like Kentucky could not score at all, at all. And and I didn't think about what what Joe was talking about yesterday with Wandell Robinson being there the year before. Like what if it was? Even though Wandell Robinson in the scheme of things is not like some transcendent talent, he's good. He was very good. But like what if he influenced why people thought of Levis so highly? Just one singular guy that he threw to on to at almost 50% of the time was yeah. his targeted. You know, that's insane. So there are still some real questions about the production value of these guys. I get the SEC is awesome, but we did see these guys to varying degrees. They had their own individual failures at times. And uh, nevertheless, uh, it's going to be interesting. We're going to take what's probably going to be our final timeout. And I'm just being honest because these segments run long. <laughs> and when we come back, we'll talk Falcons for Brent. We'll talk Bucks for me. We'll see if we have any other time for any other miscellaneous items to clear up the first round. And we'll have a nightly TV guide also to conclude it. If you want to get your word in to our talk of this, uh, these kind of mock drafts, 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, 1-889-TIGER-9 and join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We're going to take another timeout. We'll be right back. Sports Call Crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy and Brant Dontry here. Final 15 or 20 minutes of the show. We've been talking NFL draft coming up in about an hour and a half from now. And, of course, uh, a lot to do tonight. It's such a long night. 
You settle in with excitement at 7 o'clock. But if you're one of those teams that have the fortune of being a good football team and playing playoff football, maybe winning a round or two in the playoffs last year, you're going to wait a while. You're going to get the popcorn ready at 7, and it's going to be bedtime by the time your team picks. It takes a long time, but we're excited for it nevertheless. The the first round is a total production. I mean, they they the NFL goes, hey – Guys, make sure you use all 15 minutes of your of your pick here. Yeah. And so uh, we have certainly obliged by taking 10 to 12 minutes to talk about every <laughs> team we've talked about thus far. But we do have enough time to talk a couple more teams. So let's skip down to Atlanta. Uh, we, we went, we were able to get to the top five picks today. So Atlanta going at number eight. Again, as with anyone now beyond, like, I don't know, the second pick. Hey, there's a lot of possibilities. Mm-hmm. We've talked Bijan before. We've talked the possibility of a DB. Maybe the possibility I've got a mock draft that puts Miles Murphy of Clemson at eight from the Sporting News. There's a lot of things uh, that can be done. So now that you've processed all the mocks that you've seen, all the commentary, what's the best route for Atlanta to go with at eight? You know, I'm pretty much convinced that it will be Bijan Robinson. Uh, I don't know if I love that. I would. Whew. I don't know. The, the Bijan thing, I want Bijan to be a Falcon, right? Because he is such an incredible talent. But I don't know if I want to take him at eight because in the top 10, you know, do you want to take a running back in the top 10, even though he is more of an offensive weapon than a true running back? Uh, you already have a great running back in Tyler Algier, had, a, had over 1,000 yards as a rookie last year. Uh, Christian Gonzalez is probably still going to be on the board, the corner from Oregon, who's. Uh, in a couple of years could be one of the best corners in the NFL. Uh, Jalen Carter is going to be there. Do you want to put him next to David Onyemata and uh, uh, Grady Jarrett and just have an incredible interior defensive line? Uh, I, there are so many ways they can go. The more I look at it, the more I'm hoping they just trade up and take Will Anderson. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to be available. I don't know how the draft is going to work out. Uh, and if not him, then Tyree Wilson should be available at eight as well. I think Edge is where I want to see the Falcons go. Uh, but if both of those guys are gone, then obviously they're going to have to reassess. And the, Terry Fontenot has made it very clear positional value does not really matter for the NFL draft to them. They want to take the best guy available. And it's very clear they're high on Bijan Robinson, as most teams are. I just, I'm wondering who else is going to be there. What do they think they need to do? Uh, and, who, you know, what, what does their board look like? Because. As we've established, most people seem to have Bryce Young ahead of C.J. Stroud. The rumors are if C.J. Stroud is still available at 8, Atlanta might reach on him. So uh, what do I want? I want the Falcons to take an edge, either Tyree Wilson or Will Anderson, if, if either of them is available. If they're not, then I'm just kind of hands off. All right, Terry Fontenot's had an incredible offseason. Uh, just do what you do, man. I, I've I've learned to trust Terry Fontenot at this point. I, I think he's pretty good at what he does, so... Edge is the answer to your question, what do I want the Falcons to do? Yeah, so I think Murphy would be a little bit of a reach based off of some others I collect. I think that's more of a, a teens guy, early early teens, but I think that's a little bit of a reach. Bijan's interesting. Again, I, I can make the argument that Algier is, is truly a number one running back, that yeah. he's not just a situationally good running back, that, 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 that you would be good with that. But Bijan, of course, has that that potential that everyone's salivating over that he could be Saquon esque. I, I think with Atlanta, they've just done so much work on their defense this offseason and, and poured a lot most of those salary cap dollars into it 
that, you know, at, at this point, I feel like maybe you work on your offense. Yeah. And, and that would be in the form of Bijan because I don't think that it's time to take Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State. I think that's too high. And also, I think that Atlanta's really likes Drake London. They should. He had a good rookie year. Yeah. Still got to figure you out got, Pitts. But the thing, the thing is, I expect Kyle Pitts to have a much better year three than he did year two. Uh, the Marcus Mariota connection, it never yeah. really worked out. So I, I expect him when he comes back with Desmond Ritter, a guy who likes to gamble a little bit. Mariota's biggest problem is he's, he he wouldn't throw the ball deep. He never would, and that is where most of Pitts' production comes from. I I expect uh, his production with Desmond Ritter to go up significantly next year. So, and again, it, this thing can just go so many different ways. I, I saw him one of the mock drafts, not even related to Atlanta. <laughs> By the way, we were talking because well, we were talking about Houston. I saw one of the mocks had Houston keep two and then trade up from 12 to seven to take levis by the way at seven i take it so there, i take it all kinds i of am things. team trade back right. i am absolutely team trade back all thought all, all kinds of things can happen here tonight i think the trades are always very exciting because it's just like whoa you yeah. know because that's yeah. the most reactionary thing it's just uncalled for you you see goodell come up there and you know there's a certain level of suspense that doesn't exist because you know someone's being taken. But when they like cut to Schefter real quick, he's like, "Guys, we got to trade." It's like, "Oh no!" Is there? Because sometimes <laughs> there's a there's sometimes a really really good player involved. It's not just picks. When we again we saw that draft night last last year with AJ Brown going to Philadelphia. Look what happened to the Eagles passing game. Mm-hmm. It's no coincidence that Hertz also took a big shot up in the passing game when he had a true number one like AJ Brown to go along with Devontae Smith. So. Stuff like that can uh, can can happen on a whim. There, I do think Atlanta will keep their pick, but I do think they have intriguing options all the way from if someone like Jalen Carter is still there. Oh, yeah, Jalen uh, Carter, yeah, you know, yeah. and and uh, of course, you know, they they could easily go with with Bijan too, because I, I I definitely think Bijan does not go before there. All those defensive guys, there's a chance like the like the corner. Um, Gonzalez, uh, Joseph, not Joseph Gonzalez. Oh no, no. <laughs> Christian Gonzalez, Christian and also, Gonzalez, yeah. uh, Devin. Witherspoon, Witherspoon, yeah, yeah, is Witherspoon. Um, if those guys are gone for whatever reason, again, there there's scenarios where those guys are gone. Devin Witherspoon, yes, uh, and particularly, I think Gonzalez is still supposed to go ahead of Witherspoon. But I just don't think that. Oh, a lot of food, a lot of food <laughs> on our TV set. Sorry. Um, Watching Anthony Herbie's- mentioned ribs later. Now I'm looking at a, at uh, all yeah. kinds of barbecue and stuff. The the college game day crew is chowing down right now. They got a, a full spread. Man, where where is the spread. draft taking taking is it place? Vegas this year? I thought it was Vegas last year. I could be. Was wrong. it Vegas last year? Uh, is it is it Nashville? Nashville would make sense for the the ribs, I guess. Uh, NFL draft location this year. Uh, of course, the article is always long term. Dudes googling things uh, is Kansas City. Kansas, Kansas City barbecue. City. Okay, I was like yep. someone with barbecue. They that did, makes sense. The Kansas City barbecue next year. For what it's worth, it's going to be uh, Detroit. Um, which okay, I get, they're going to give them a motor vehicle up What's, there. I don't uh, know. Little Caesars. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. I hope something better than that. No, no disrespect to Little Caesar. It's fine. It's 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 value pizza, but it's great for it's great, great for, for five dollars. It it's yeah. great for a five dollar pizza. All right, so I'm going to skip to my team now, Tampa Bay. Uh, the Bucks um, were a playoff team barely, so they've got the 19th pick of the draft. I'm seeing all kinds of weird weird stuff. I've seen Dalton Kincaid 
tight end. He's good. He's one of the better tight ends. He is. I like Kate Otten. I don't think that that is necessarily a need in terms of first round. I do think the Bucks need to take another tight end. They said goodbye to Cam Brate this offseason, but I'm not sure it's the first round. Um, and Otten did look like he was pretty solid, had his – um, had a had a role in both the passing and running game, which is like what you like to see out of a tight end. Definitely seen a lot of offensive line. Uh, I think that Darnell Wright out of Tennessee is probably someone that will be available at that time. The Bucks kind of need a tackle because they're flirting with the idea of moving uh, Tristan Wirfs from right tackle to left tackle. And they said goodbye to their left tackle, Donovan Smith. I had to cut him cap casualty, and he didn't play that well last year either, either way. But I think they need to go offensive line. I think Tampa has to go line. They it just does not make much sense anywhere else. I think that they're going to roll with Rashad White. They they signed Chase Edmonds to be the backup running back this year. I think they're fine from a first round perspective. I don't think Bijan would get down there anyway. I think that they obviously do not need a wide receiver. Still got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin paying them a lot of money. They re-up both DBs from Auburn in previous years. Carlson Davis and Jamel Dean are on the first half of their new deal. So they got your starting corners, got a starting safety in Antoine Winfield. For the moment, still have Devin White. They, they, they've come out publicly and said they will not honor his trade request. <laughs> so I think they, they got at least one more year of Devin White. Levante David came back. Vita Vea in the middle. They picked some defensive linemen that are kind of like those ends that play again in 3-4. They're still down, but they're not in the interior that have not been as good first couple years out of the gates, but I don't know if they want to use another first-round selection. I think it's offensive line. And, again, I think it's someone like Darnell Wright out of Tennessee because he is a tackle. I don't think Paris Johnson of Ohio State would follow them. I think they'd love that if he did. Again, we're talking tackles in particular. In particular. And then I did see one mock, the Sporting, sporting News mock draft, had uh, Hendon Hooker being selected by Tampa. Yeah. And again, I I kind of think he'll be available there, but I I don't you see just, why. I, how how long? Well, hold on. What type of contract did Baker Mayfield get? How just long? One is, year deal. Just one year. Yeah. Okay. One year. Prove it. Deal. I still like Baker Mayfield. If he doesn't work out in Tampa, I'll start to change my opinion on him. But <sighs> hey, you could just dra- you could draft Hendon Hooker and let him say, hey. If this Baker Mayfield thing doesn't work out, right, you're we're going to build around you in the future, and let him have his rookie year as a capable backup. I mean, I like Hendon Hooker, and I think that if the offensive line was in a better place, hmm. I would be down for that. That that would be my next choice, I guess, because again, I just went through the litany of of really quality stars that Tampa <laughs> still has, pretty much every other position, but I just don't see how that offensive line that was struggling to protect Brady in the first place was going to get better when you trade your right guard, Shaq Mason, who was a quality right guard. They traded him this offseason. And then for Cap, released the left tackle, Donovan Smith. Again, there's very you can get better than Donovan Smith, but I'm saying that you, he's still 15th to 20th, so you can still get worse, and a new guy is not going to be guaranteed to be better. You've only got two reliable offensive lines. Lyman. And they are very good. Worfs is awesome. He's as good of the right tackles there is. And then Ryan Jensen is a very impactful center. He's a top 10 center. Okay, great. But there's still three starting jobs up for grabs. I think I know one more. I think Nick Leverett will start there because he came in for Gedeke when Gedeke got hurt. 
great. You're still too short. And so I think they've got to just take line. And Hooker would make sense because they're going to have Mayfield on a one-year deal and it's a prove-it contract and all that. But it's a tough situation to be in because I guess the other argument for Hooker is that Tampa will not suck enough to be in the top five next year. You know, like yeah. they they might not be very good this year, but they're going to still win six or seven games. They're not going to crash out and be three and fourteen. I would not think unless Mayfield is just terrible, just utterly terrible. And so I think that that will get them out of the race for QB next year. So if they're worried about that, they could go Hooker. But I, let me give you the other scenario: What if Mayfield's good and you go ten and seven? And win the division or make a wild card. Yeah. Then you want to resign. Then it's kind of like Geno, who Dave Canales was the offensive coordinator for Seattle last year. He's now come to Tampa. What if he fixes Baker Mayfield? I don't think it's likely. But if you're the organization, that's a lot of ifs. When I can clearly see you need offensive line. Yeah. You need probably two offensive line over the course of the draft. They need to take two to three offensive linemen over the course of their eight or nine picks. So. I think they'll go offensive line. Darnell Wright at Tennessee seems like the move for Tampa. Last item for NFL draft. Um, again, Derek Hall will be the first Auburn guy taken. Will probably not be tonight, though. He'll be mid-second round. Second round will start at 6 o'clock tomorrow. But 7 o'clock for the draft tonight. Anything else? We've kind of hit it pretty much at nauseum. Any other trade on the radar? Any other team that you really want to see what they do uh anything else draft wise that you're looking out of outside that top five and then again uh atlanta Uh, i'll make a auburn connection with the draft here real quick it's a name that i don't know if this guy will get drafted but i'd keep an eye out for it brandon council started at all five positions along the offensive line over his college career Started at three of the five for Auburn, maybe four of the five. I can't remember exactly, but at least three of the five. And looked pretty good this year playing center. I think he's better as an – I think he's – he is going to be an interior offensive lineman in the NFL. But he's got experience playing all five positions, and he's got a body that makes you go, eh, maybe he can play at tackle in an emergency situation. So somebody could add him not as a starter, but as a guy that can be a swing tackle or – uh, an emergency tackle or a backup guard or a halfway decent center. I, I'd If I'm an Auburn fan and you're looking for more Auburn guys, Brandon Council could go somewhere in the very late rounds. Um, and th- that's, that's something that I would do want to throw out there. I, Brandon Council got a lot of flack for his career at Auburn uh, because he played in an offensive line that frankly wasn't very good. But among the bad that was Auburn's offensive line, Council had some pretty good moments. Uh, so I, I don't know how long he'll be in the NFL if he gets there. You know, he'll he'll be signed to somewhere. He'll go through a training camp, but he could be a guy that gets drafted late uh, if you're looking for more Auburn names. And we will talk a lot more about those Auburn names tomorrow as we prepare for the whole weekend of drafting and talk about all the Auburn guys that are going to have an opportunity to to hear their name called at some point or become an undrafted free agent. We are about out of time for the show today. Time for nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end. But we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Stanley Cup playoffs, 6 o'clock on TBS. Up against and are the Tampa Bay Lightning. They trail the Toronto Maple Leafs three games to one. Must win for the Lightning after blowing two at home. Rangers and Devils, 6.30 on ESPN2. That series tied at two. 
And then the Las Vegas Golden Knights can eliminate the Winnipeg Jets tonight. That is 9 o'clock on ESPN2. Vegas up 3-1. to one. In that one, of course, the 2023 NFL Draft tonight, 7 o'clock on ESPN. College softball, excuse me, college baseball tonight, Texas A&M and Arkansas, 7 o'clock on ESPNU. And NBA playoffs, 730 TNT. The Boston Celtics go to the Miami Hawks. Trey Young with the big season-saving triple in Game 5 in Boston. Hawks can take that one to seven with a win tonight against 730 on TNT. Respect, Trey Young. And that is Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. That will do it for the show today. Brant, thank you for being here again today, sir. Don't know if we'll have you on tomorrow, but if not, uh, appreciate you throughout the week for doing everything that you do. And uh, we'll see you again soon. I will answer the call if it is made. Thank you for having me. And, uh, of course, we always thank all of our great listeners and callers for tuning in and calling in as well. For Brant Daughtry, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Enjoy the NFL Draft tonight, and we will talk to you tomorrow.